Hey kids, you're listening to the internet's wettest podcast about video games, consoles, and pancakes. The SML Podcast. Howdy. Oh, my mic's muted. muted. Yeah, I just saw I was muted. <laughs> I was muted when I was watching wrestling with some people, so. Is everything coming fine through here? Yeah, you were louder before, but you just got quieter. You move away from the mic? Yeah, I moved away a little bit, and I'm talking a little quieter. <laughs> move a little closer. Okay, better? Yes. Okay, good. Good I'll shit. just lean over it and talk seductively into it. That works, whatever. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, Chris. <laughs> How's it going? We're talking seductively. Oh, I'm uh, turning my hey, volume up seductively. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to continue that. No. What are we continuing? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Chris, what are we continuing? Nothing. I, I just got here. You're I not don't know. Chris. Huh? Yeah, but I'll answer for him. No, you won't. Yes, I will. I just did, motherfucker. No, you won't. You'll just speak out into the void, dumbass. Anyway, Chris, what were you saying? <laughs> nothing. I was saying I just got here, so I have no idea what's going on. See? Told you. Nothing. Aki, shut up. <laughs> so, Joe, what's going on? Nothing. He's nuts. Aki, shut up. <laughs> on your chin. <laughs> Aki, shut up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jump the gun there. Jump the gun there. <laughs> That's fair. It is fair. <laughs> and guess what? They don't know either. Whoever the hell just showed up, they don't know either. That's right. That's Brooke. Actually, she probably does know. Actually, no, about... Brooke, she very well might. Da, 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 da. Wait, what is yeah. it? Yeah. Nothing. It's about that thing. All right. Cool. <laughs> very dope. How y'all doing tonight? Extremely stressed. Uh, stressed. Hold on. Why are you stressed? Uh, schedule's changed, and I don't like that. Okay. So how how is your schedule changed? Well, uh, I'm heading off to my grandparents' house, uh, okay. as I think I've established on here a few times. Mm, if we listen. leaving either Thursday night or, more likely, Friday morning. Sure. We're leaving tomorrow morning. Okay. <laughs> and I found out at two. Yeah, that's why Aki that's got weird. shifted to second. Yeah. Yeah. She could do hers and get going. Oh, cool. Sounds yeah, good. I'm sorry a- you're dealing with that, dude. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. Like the change, I was not prepared for that, so I have to be up at seven o'clock tomorrow morning to. Yeah, that sucks. Oh yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it does. But you know, I I managed to get Kindle working on my phone, so I'm going to read oh, a lot nice. of smut because I share my mom's library, and that's like ninety percent of what she reads. So, you know, there's that. I guess I'm just waiting for Jacob to freak out about you saying library. Uh, it's Aki, not worth my energy. <laughs> the only I, thing that I'm she knows the, how to the only I, thing that she knows how to read are gumpla instructions, so like she's not gonna actually use the library anyway. I'm sure she reads know. plenty of erotica. I do. I do. Gun, I very much do most gunpla of it. Erotica. I've read some of that too. <sighs> she inserted tab A into slot B. Oh, very different type. No. Um <laughs> 
there there is a pretty massive community uh, of BL uh, lovers who just all they do is BL is Gun Gundam people. Hold so, on, hold on. What's what's BL? Boy love, gay. Stuff. Oh, 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 oh. No, man. I'm talking about like plastic model kids. I, no, I know that. Yeah, shit. no, that's Hell, why that I said no. Wrong, wrong way. No, there were girls in middle school who were like, "Oh my god, I thought a crush on Catra or yeah." Or duo. By the way, hi for now. How are you tonight? Hi for now. Hello. I'm doing okay though. I also have to wake up at like seven, just like Aki. So this is going to oh, be one shit. of those. Uh, you guys realize like, this work, is my average. Baby? Like this is my average Monday through Friday, right? And I've got two kids that I'm like legally responsible for. The funny thing, yeah, be mine also have a wife. I've been, I don't. I've, that should be my life as well. And rather it was, I just was bucking and trending, slowly had them push my start time back minute after minute until it got to like nine o'clock. But hey, now I'm Scotty. in a new job and I got to wake up. And plus I got a dance appointment, which is the other reason I got to be up earlier than the uh, Skip tooth on Black Friday. So I hate the dentist, dude. Oh my God. Well, for good reason. There's nothing great about them. I mean, they keep our teeth good, but at what cost? The money cost. <laughs> <laughs> but, the cost of money. Like twenty five dollar copay. I don't know. That's about it. No, 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 no. Sounds like you've only been getting freaking cleanings, man. And if if you're paying that much for fillings and crowns and root canals, you got the best fucking God, dental insurance so I have ever heard. I mean, I also don't have like I don't need to have all that stuff done. Yet. That means Good for you, you you've never broke a tooth. Cleaning. No, you I haven't. Would you like to change that? <laughs> you have wow. a cavity. Hockey can uh, set you up. He's yeah, going to beat you with a, a lead pipe. That we can change I'm that. I'm actually amazed by like, How old are you, Jacob? That's big kink. Wait, wait, wait. Jacob, how old are you? I'm 38. You're 38 years old. You never had a cavity, a chipped tooth, uh, uh, a crown, and scratch. Hold, hold on. The only reason why I've had cavities is because my wisdom teeth were in for too long, and they got fixed when I got my wisdom teeth taken care of, too. Was that when you were I'm a so kid? Jealous. No, that was that was at the start of the pandemic, actually. And that only cost you twenty five dollar copay. I'll be honest, man. I was out for like a week on like pay meds. I I literally don't know what it cost if, be, if I even paid. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they shook you down while you were high. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember a bill for it, so it may have just been covered by my dental insurance. It was I think, covered by dental. Because I think th- I think what happened was because it was during the pandemic, and because like the pain was actually so intense, I was actually like becoming blind. Like I couldn't open up my eyes and stuff. <laughs> oh, so uh, probably one of your medical men. I like medical Aki team. laughing at that. Oh my god! <laughs> what you're describing? There's so it, much I, pain I couldn't be, see. <laughs> they might have covered that under your medical. Maybe I don't know, but so I, there are I, some. There are some I don't dental having. I don't recall having to pay. It was probably under medical because there are some um, dental issues or dental emergencies, we'll call them, that fall under medical because they are an impediment to your actual health. Oh, and yeah. that feels that, like it was an impediment to your health. Yeah, and that's honestly why the only reason why they were even able to see me, too. Because at, at the time, like, all of Pennsylvania was shut down. Um, uh, and they were like, we can make a special case for you. So. I got my wisdom teeth out. I bled everywhere for a day, and uh, I drank soup for a week. Did you have impacted wisdom teeth? Yes. 
Yeah, you got those from me. I had impacted wisdom teeth and I just couldn't I couldn't afford to get them messed with early 20s. This was a long time ago back when we had Obamacare coming out. No, uh-huh. not even then. So this was like the year before that. Um, so I got I signed up for like studies where they test pain medication uh, so I could get my wisdom teeth out for free. They actually paid me to take out my impacted wisdom teeth. But five oh, people in 500 people get the placebo and it's a blind study test. Oh, no. I got the placebo. So I paid for that surgery for sure. They made me tough it out for a few hours and they gave me some hydrocodone. So it was fine. And then they keep you oh, overnight. They okay. watch you. It was weird. Any of y'all ever do medical study stuff to afford uh, a medical care when you're younger? I thought about it, but um, but yeah, I, I I never had to. Thankfully, Word. I had brace. I put myself in braces early twenties as well, and then I had them for like a lot of my twenties. My teeth were messed up, uh, so I had to get my impacted wisdom teeth out while I was in braces, or it would have messed up my whole shit again. So, wow. luckily, Austin, Texas, had a, a medical study going for that in those years, so was able to knock that out. I don't even know what I would have done otherwise. It's like hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands without insurance. So nuts. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, sorry to bring us good. down here. You, you, you're jogging yeah, my memory here. It's not a bring down. It's relatable. It's dental interesting. Dental coverage sucks. Yeah. Now I have dental insurance through my job. But like, yeah, back then I didn't know what I was going to do. I felt like I hit the lottery when they started having the medical studies. And it's weird to think back like, gosh, that was probably like 14 years ago. You know, that's crazy. Like you'll take yeah, this magic drug. Some of you will grow a second set of teeth. The other... <laughs> Dude, that'd be awesome. Oh, man. Be I could use shark. a new set. Yeah, but Aki, what would you do with your fourth set of testicles? Yeah. <laughs> Dave! Dave! No! Smack you in the face with them, I guess? I don't know. Nice. <laughs> Hang them off the Again. end of the truck. <laughs> Again, that's my kink, wow. so whatever. <laughs> he got that from me, too. No, I'm just playing. Sorry. <laughs> I thought it was about teeth, folks. We were talking about teeth. Yeah, I'm just rolling with it. I don't actually know how we got yeah, here. I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Chris, what's going on with you? How's things with yeah. you? Oh, I don't know. I figured we're not doing an intro. All this is staying, so I don't give a shit at this point. All right. Yay. You don't know. You know what's going on with you. You know what's going on with you. I got a series of interesting, entertaining stories for you. No. Let's hear them. <laughs> I don't have anything. Oh, Son of a on, bitch. <laughs> yes, you do. Way to let us down, Chris. Jeez. Yeah. Why do you, you think I don't talk much during the intros? He's don't listen to him. He's got something. He just got. Um, a, he just went and went the extra mile and got another damn upgrade to his switch memory card. Oh yeah, y'all, yeah. Y'all yeah. know anyone looking for a PS5 while you're buying stuff? Okay, the topic. <laughs> go back to Chris's memory card. He got the 1.5 terabyte memory card for his freaking switch, That's which true. means he Is has to move yet? one terabyte of data. Um, I haven't re-downloaded anything, so like, nah. Why don't you just but... do it on your computer? You can just copy it to your computer and then. Pop it in, copy <laughs> yeah, it over to I the did. new card, right? No, I mean, I, I haven't re-downloaded anything I had to oh, delete to make I, room. I thought you meant that you were, you were re-downloading everything to the new card. <laughs> no, no, okay. no. I tried that once. I tried that once when I went from 400 to 1,000, and uh, that took a long time. But also, transferring it to your computer, I mean, to go f- to take 900 gigabytes from like a micro SD card to the computer was a nine-hour process, and then it took... Yeah, it's um, and then it took uh, somewhere between 11 and 13 hours to put it onto the new card. Jeez. To, like, to write it. Yeah. So I had to just 
it was just like an all day kind of thing. And uh, but yeah, there's a one point one point five terabyte in there, and uh, so <laughs> good to go for another. I don't know, like three well, months. Check right now, actually. Now you're good uh, until the next NBA game comes out, and then it's full exactly. again. <laughs> three uh, I've got four hundred and ninety six gigabytes free, so I've already already occupied quite a lot of uh, space on this thing because I had downloaded some some games over the weekend. Actually, it went kind of crazy this weekend with uh, kind of um, like Friday fr- sales. Not, yeah, I guess so. Because, but they weren't. It was just like I went to a store that we don't usually go to, so like I had to clean them out of all the stuff that they just had sitting around waiting for me. Because <laughs> that's the way it is with me in games. Is that there's always one that's just sitting around waiting for me specifically because I'm looking mm. for it and nobody else is. <laughs> I did. Um, I What'd did pick get? up a phys- I picked up a physical <sighs> copy of Mon Yu, defeat monsters and gain strong weapons and armor. You may be defeated, but don't give up. Become stronger than the. Uh, oh I hell believe yeah! Day when the heroes defeat the div- uh, devil king, I believe that there will be a time. That yeah, that was really good. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I picked that one up. Um, Are you liking it? I haven't, I haven't played it yet. Um, the, I just got these, so they've just been sitting in front of my Super Nintendo. Uh, have you been playing any other? Uh, have you played any other experienced dungeon crawlers? Uh, dungeon crawlers. What am I working on right now? Uh, I think I'm still working on Savior of the Sapphire Wings. In that case, yeah, you played experienced ones then. Yeah, you'll like this one, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. It's no, not... I mean, I'm I'm a wizardry head, like from back in the day. So, <laughs> not, oh, you're ready. Not all the oh, way back in the day. I, I wasn't gaming in the seventies, but uh, but I mean, like. I've put in hours into into those kind of games, and plus, I'm an Etrian Odyssey fan, like for real. Oh, I was on, I was more so like ju- testing you on like the how much you've played. I mean, that specific uh, developer, but um, oh, Sapphire Wings is that is experience. So, oh, okay. I think you'll like this too. It's just not as complicated as that one, but it's fun. That's okay. I I don't even care if a dungeon crawler is complicated. I mean, I grew up on Arcana <laughs> on the Super Nintendo, and that one's pretty simple. I mean, it was made by the Kirby guys. I thought you were about to say, I don't care if they're fun. I just want to play. No, I, they're all, well, they're mostly fun, actually. I played a couple <laughs> that weren't that fun. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're, it's hard to go wrong with a dungeon crawler because it's like, you're, whatever you do that other people would consider bad, a dungeon crawler fan would consider good. So either it's you make a game that appeals to a hardcore dungeon crawler fan or you make a game that appeals to like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So. That's that's kind of my philosophy on it, um, but uh, yeah, and I just picked up stuff like uh, that I've been meaning to grab, like Luigi's Mansion Three, which now completes my <laughs> Luigi's Mansion collection, and someday I'll play one. <laughs> uh, I got Planescape Torment and Icewind Dale Enhanced Editions, which now completes my D and D collection. someday I'll play them. That <laughs> uh, is say those, the Neverwinter Nights games, and the Baldur's Gates. Uh, I have all three of those now for the Switch. They put Baldur's Gate on the Switch, I you know that. Yeah, they had Baldur's Gate one and two on the Switch. Not three yet. I don't know. I don't, if I don't think, I don't think that three will ever work on the Switch. I don't think you had to put yet on that. <laughs> but yeah, no. But yeah, one and two are there. Um, okay. I really wish that they had on on the Switch. Speaking of of those kind of games, just Diablo one, just the first Diablo, like the PlayStation version with like controller interface. I love that game when it was out. Hmm. Do you remember Danny? Did Danny all play the original Diablo, but on the PlayStation? 
I didn't because I, don't I, think I was into yeah, I, I never I knew it existed, was into the Diablo into games at yet. the time. Uh, I didn't get play my first one until the second one, and by that point, I was playing the second one, so... I played the but, first one, and that was my first experience playing a video game with strangers over the internet. Uh, this was in the 90s, <laughs> and I hated it. <laughs> and I have, I've never hey, gone back. How were you able to play it online with, in, on Diablo 1? Uh, it, it had a Blizzard... What do they call it? Um... I guess Not just blizzard.net. Yeah, yeah, you you said it. What was it? On PS1, though? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I also had it on the PC. Sorry. Oh, God. Okay. I was about to say, wait a minute. I, yeah. I, had, my, I had my thoughts on what when online gamings were doing back then, but that threw me for a loop. I miss some important context. Yes, I also <laughs> played it on PC, and I didn't like it as much. I liked the PS version better. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense to me now. I was... We're confusing each other. I blame winter coming. Yeah, I blame yeah. you being on speakerphone. Nah, that we'll just have to tolerate that till the show starts. <laughs> the show did start twenty this minutes is ago. The show. <laughs> nah, we're leading into the show. We know right. the deal. We yeah. know how to. No, we're like literally about to start reviews in a minute. That's what she said. You know, you know the deal. I'm the big. <laughs> We can start talking about Gumpla, and then it just won't end up in the show. Yeah, I'll Joel, edit that out. I'll edit. Yeah, all Joel. Joel. Do, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. Joel will do the uh, like Wait, the extremely occasional go? edit just for Gumpla. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, well, let me tell a story about. Anyway, <laughs> next thing to talk about tonight. <laughs> what you got about Gump? What you got against Gumpla? <laughs> it's for nerds it's not wrestling or football so it's for nerds and therefore he doesn't I, I, hear about I, I, it i hate to i am I a nerd what the, the mood here but there he covered it everybody in this damn chat's a nerd and we all do nerd things and a cool we're on a fucking video game bug. podcast of course we're a bunch of fucking nerds yeah right. apparently was just a step too far i don't know if y'all heard me earlier but i said i'm a wizardry fan from back in the day uh try and <laughs> try and explain to me how that's nerdy I wouldn't, it's not Aki, I wouldn't edit it out because it's nerdy I would edit it yeah. out because it's boring I'm not saying Gunpla is boring I'm saying you are but I'm boring Fair too enough. which is why I edit myself out all the time Pre-edit okay, I, can, I, can, I can accept this then that works. <laughs> God if I could no. get rid of myself from this show it would be so much better <laughs> oh man! Wait, that, be, host. that would be funny to like to have a, a podcast. Yeah, a podcast with no host or with a ghost. The funny a thing ghost. is that that almost happened one time because I started an episode with an interview and I was muted, but I was only oh, muted yeah. on the yeah. recording, not on the actual chat. So everything that I said for like the first fifteen minutes of the interview was never picked up in the recording. Uh, so I can't. had to I had to go in, find out what was said or like what the questions were, and I had to re-record myself asking questions that would lead yeah! into the answers that were given. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Such an opportunity to prank somebody too. Oh man, that would be terrible. I already I did lose an interview because of some kind of recording glitch, and we had to redo it, and that's that's never fun. Like, mm. yeah, we just we just did an hour long interview. Sorry, man, it all got lost. 
which is why yeah. I stream fucking everything now. Because if something goes wrong, I have a Twitch VOD I could download. Yeah, Twitch doesn't miss anything except for yeah. most soundtracks. <laughs> yeah. I love randomly losing like 20 minute chunks of like my VODs because of, you know, some copyright strike on like a game nobody owns. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Well, we should probably talk about games that people might own with some reviews, you think? Uh, I think we're talking yeah. about these for the people who don't own them yet. Yeah, we're, we're going to hopefully convince some people we're gonna to try change that. Maybe <laughs> buy a few games or ignore can... a few games. We'll see how things go. But Our mission? Yeah. To collect Nickelodeon magazine. I mean, to get people <laughs> to buy games. I've been thinking about the Nickelodeon magazine old commercials a lot. You guys, y'all remember those? Nice. That was a great, yeah. You know, that was those a great fucking so uh, magazine. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I really liked how they brought back like old cartoon strips from like the 1940s yes. and 50s. That magazine I, uh, was lit. I could practically in Brooks uh, in Brooks' statement there. I could practically hear the knuckles cracking over the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> like we're about to change that. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to give up the video game angle on the podcast. We just watch We just watch uh, Pete and Pete reruns and comment the whole time. Okay, but seriously, I rewatched all of Pete and Pete when I was like 25, I want to say, and it holds up. And oh, yeah, it, it holds oh, it's up. so good. Oh, yeah. It's, even, it's I, even better as an adult. Like Andy is yep. just like an incredible character. Uh, I loved that. Yes. Hey, you could get a couple Artie, of bucks for some Andy. issues of Nickelodeon Artie. magazine. Ooh, really? I don't have any, yeah, but I remember reading it. Going pretty much, but I don't know. Anyway, yeah, review. Should we get to these? All the right. Okay, Jacob, After my review off. of Pete and Pete, that's a buy it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid one. Who's got right. it for sale? Pete and Pete? I don't think anyone anymore. It was on DVD, but... The first two seasons were on... Uh, hmm, that's Probably find them on eBay. Yeah. Probably, and I know season three, they said everything was done, and it was literally sitting in a warehouse. Like, so, yeah, well, I that's doubt... that's mighty strange. Well, no, a the... warehouse, unreplayed. It's kind of sad, though. I was going to say, it's sad. We can't not, watch not that unusual. season yet. It's what saddening. The... Oh, no, no, no. None of you know Polaris. I hate everything. I, oh, I no. only know the, the them from the, uh, from the opening song. That was me mucking up the opening theme song, but yeah. Well, you, you mucked it up pretty well if I couldn't recognize it. Damn right. It's rhythm. <laughs> I think that's the opposite of rhythm, actually, Pernell. No, it is. It's fine. It's okay. You don't have to get it. Anyway, reviews or something <laughs> before I start talking about more Pete and Pete. Yeah, Am we I don't allowed? need to be talking about nothing nostalgic up in here. Yeah. First oh, game to talk okay. about tonight is Jurassic Park Classic Games Collection. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Gotta love that timing. Uh, yeah, let's dive into Amazing. these. First game to talk about is Jurassic Park Classic Games Collection, developed and published by Limited Run Games that released November 21st on Series X and S, Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC for $29.99. Hold on to your butts. The 8 and 16-bit era of Jurassic Park games is returned, commemorating 30 years of the iconic film. This release includes a lineup of seven classic titles updated to include save support, uh, save state support, new in-game maps, and various quality of life fixes. Chris and Jacob, both of you check this out. Uh, who wants to start? Honestly, I'd, pref I'd prefer Chris to start just because he's more of the historian. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't I mind am. taking point. 
I could take some. I, I could take point on some Jurassic Park. Yeah, well, uh, let, let's hear what's heck. going on in the Jurassic Park Classic Games Collection. Okay, so what we got here is a collection of Jurassic Park video games. <laughs> um, so this covers basically the uh, the run of eight and sixteen bit games that came out around the release of the film. Um, that is to say, there have been many more Jurassic Park games uh, that have been have revisited this uh, property uh, since then. But we're specifically focusing on a um, basically the uh, was it six total? I don't know. I didn't even see a seven, seven. eight, seven. Yeah, so seven games. Um, which are which were originally um we've got the Nintendo games which were originally developed by Ocean whom you may remember as doing all the movie games back then uh you know handling such hot properties as uh RoboCop and and the Adams family <laughs> and uh then you have uh Blue Sky Entertainment uh, handling the uh I dare I say superior Sega Genesis versions and uh they are What? What? It was Genesis was superior. I was agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, wh- whispering doesn't work well. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna <laughs> whispering on speakerphone. No, <laughs> not on speakerphone. Oh, okay. back. oh, I heard that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Blue Sky Entertainment. Uh, who cares what else they did? They did Ninja Golf. This is the Ninja Golf people. Oh. They did Ninja Golf, and they did the Genesis Jurassic Parks. God bless them. I wish they would come back. Um, so yeah, these seven games are lovingly packaged together by uh, by none other than Limited Run Games, and uh, I'll just do a brief rundown of like the actual games that you're getting. Uh, so you have <laughs> so there's a little bit of um, a little bit of of uh, you know trademark kind of futzing around. So uh, the NES Jurassic Park, which is the first one that came out, is just called Jurassic Park Eight Bit, and then the uh, Game Boy version is called Jurassic Park Portable, and then Jurassic Park 16-bit, that'd be the Super Nintendo. Um, And then also, so those are basically three treatments of the same game. Those are the top-down shooters where you are largely concerned with collecting eggs. Um, They're like, oh, Tim is is trapped by an army of uh, Triceratops. You better collect 30 eggs and uh, and (laughs) gather some key cards, Grant. And uh, here's a bazooka. You won't be using it against the the Triceratops, but um, but yeah, we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, and yeah, that's that's basically Jurassic Park on the NES, Game Boy, and Super Nintendo are variations on that theme. Of course, getting more and less technologically, um, you know, uh, fancy as they go. And then we have the uh, Jurassic Park Genesis, which. Is uh, I I would you know, well, yeah, I hate to lead with it, but I'm gonna say this is probably the best one. This is the one say, that, as a kid, I was like, that was the best game. As an adult, I'm like, this is still the best game in this collection. <laughs> I I think so, but yeah, like it's it's still got its things, but like the th- the one thing that's missing out of this versus the actual Genesis version, um, I'll just quickly say, is that it's missing the Sega logo because it doesn't say Sega, it just says Genesis. Um, the Sega logo in the original game had the frickin' T-Rex come up and go, Sega! And then, oh, like, man, it would that would have being- been awesome. Yeah, but they can't do that for this version because they can't talk about what the specific systems were, I guess, for, again, trademark Well, Well, I was going to say, say, they could call it 
uh, I think they could refer to it as Genesis, but they can't yeah. call it Sega Genesis. Because thanks to the Bible, you can't trademark Genesis in quite the same way. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then, uh, like I said, we have Jurassic Park 2, The Chaos Continues, both in 16-bit and portable flavors. Uh, those are actually different games from each other, unlike the NES, SNES, and Game Boy games. But yeah, we'll talk about those in a minute. And then finally, we have... Uh, Jurassic Park Rampage Edition on the Genesis, which is the later um, game that came out that uh, sports a weirdly cell shaded look because they like drew black outlines on all the all the sprites, unlike the gen- other Genesis version. Um, but it's largely it's very much just a sequel to the Genesis game, um, all the way down to letting you choose between Grant or the Raptor to play as. So um, Rampage Edition is like basically the sequel to the Genesis uh, Jurassic Park. So that's what those are. And uh, yeah, we'll let, I'll let somebody else talk now. Jacob, what do you think of the game lineup? Uh, so I'm going to be honest with you. I was not really a fan of the Jurassic Park games when I was a kid. Uh, I thought the NES game sucked. Um, I was not impressed by the Super NES when I was over at my friend's house. And the only time I ever wanted to play the Genesis one is if I was playing as the Raptor. Like the Raptor's just really the best part. Um, because you run around killing everything instead of, you know, uh playing as Grant where it's a lot of avoidance and, you know, swapping between weapons. The game I just notice fun- you have a habit of requesting games and then you get them and you're <laughs> like, Well, when I was a kid, I didn't like this. Well, <laughs> Yeah, because I want to go back and see whether it was just like, oh, did I just suck as a kid? Or was it just, or, you know, was the game just bad? You know, sometimes it's worth revisiting this stuff. They're like, <laughs> you know, 20, 30 years later, in my opinion. Um, you know, I'm I like I do the same with movies. Like if there's a movie I thought really freaking sucked, I'll, I'm willing to go back like 10 years or you know, 10 years later and watch it again and see if my opinions changed on it at all. Um, but yeah, I do the same with video games. Um, so yeah, so Chris gave a pretty good rundown of, uh, the various games. And I think it's kind of interesting with these, because even though they're definitely tied in with the Jurassic park movie, uh, they really have almost nothing to do uh with with the movie yeah Um, if anything i'd say they're closer they're more closely tied in with the book um and that may be what the game creators had access to at the time um yeah because a couple of these uh, definitely the development cycles predate the movie's release and of course we know the book was written at the same time the movie was being made so like they all kind of was it not i thought that michael Crichton like had to Mm, no that was the lost world wasn't it yeah uh no not even then Huh. No, well, never mind then. Or wait, uh, Lost World. No, Lost World just came about because Michael Crichton w- was like, "Oh, that made me lots of money. I think I can do it again." Um, <laughs> and Hollywood was also like, "Yes, we think it will make us lots of money again. Let's all do it." Um, Let's do it. Yeah, together. No, <laughs> yeah. Jurassic Park, the book came out in uh, I think eighty nine, ninety, if I remember correctly. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm thinking um, of a story having to do with the Lost World. So, yeah. Yeah, right, and Lost Lost World, the book also heavily deviates um, from it. But uh, so, anyways, it it's more so that it seems like they had uh, access to the book more so than movie materials. And so, you know, if you're playing these for the first time, understand that it, it deviates a lot. 
and on top of it, they're just not good. Um, <laughs> like I, I was playing through like, and part of it, I think may actually just be on limited run games themselves. Like with this, I mean, is it cool that we got a retro collection with a bunch of the Jurassic park games from back in the day? Yeah, that's totally awesome. I would have killed to have the, uh, three, or the, uh, Genesis, uh, JP game back on, you know, like the 360 as an Xbox live arcade title, uh, back in the day. Um, and it's cool that I'm able to share these with my kids, but that's literally all I'm able to share with the kids. Like if you go into the game, uh, unlike stuff that you see from like digital eclipse and, uh, a couple of other companies who have started bringing back games from the eighties and nineties, uh, those kind of games, you end up with like almost like a complete archive of, you know, every, like everything related to the game. Like there's design docs, there's interviews, there's commentaries, there's the original game manuals. If you want to flip through them, this is literally in this one. (laughs) There's literally nothing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I had to like, like I had to like constantly test and figure out stuff and then look it up online. There's no, like they don't even provide you with a button layout for this game. You're just like, all right, well have at it. You want to see our T filter though, like or one border. (laughs) Yeah, like as a whole for the collection, I am not pleased Uh, with the games themselves. It's I'm going to be honest with you, your mileage may vary, or your mileage will vary on this. You're either going to be super psyched, or you're going to be like, "Wow, these games were not good." Um, Honestly, like uh, Jurassic Park Two on Game Boy, I was really enjoying the heck out of that, but it's clearly based on something else. Uh, yeah. in terms of uh, a shooter game. I don't know if it's a reskin or what. Um, I'd actually be interested in finding that out, but I was I was doing great in that game. Um, and the rest of them, it's just... I don't well, know. Chris, what are your thoughts on the games? <laughs> just, just cut them off. Um, I actually... So I think there is some stuff to love about the Jurassic Park games. Um, one thing that you know I, I will say about the uh, about the non-canon and non-anonymousness of them uh, is that that's just ocean, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, as far as the the Nintendo ones go, which again they do deviate quite a lot from uh, you know from the original properties. Um, in by the way, I'll, I'll get to how the uh, the blue sky ones actually are, you know, <laughs> weirdly stayed true to it. Um, <clears throat> With the uh, with the top down shooters and like the Game Boy games and stuff like that, it's just like you know if you played Ocean games a lot as a kid, which you know if you frequented the Blockbuster, you probably ran across a few of their movie license games and things like that um, back then. You know, a lot of them were like kind of this run and gun situation, or uh, you know just kind of taking game characters and making a thing out of it. Um, you know, like uh, I think I don't know what the Jurassic Park two on Game Boy is based on, but it. Kind of I think it's a just a stri- I think it's just a straight up like you know we're making another Jurassic Park game <laughs> like yeah that it, it's I, like literally like a side scrolling shooter like it's it's a like you know a running gun it's bare it doesn't have like egg collecting or anything like that yeah um, but then the Jurassic Park two the chaos continues on SNES has a fully voice acted uh cutscene intro it's like it's kind of weirdly cartoony like it's it. <laughs> The drawing doesn't look great to me, but I mean, like it's got voice acting that speaks in sentences. It's got wow. two players on the same screen. 
I'm not um, gonna lie. I was I was real curious about the uh, that intro, and of course, like that's another <laughs> thing that like upset me about Bio like. Whole, well, no that that's part of no that's that's always been part of the uh, Jurassic Park lore. That's who uh, uh, Dodson works for. The guy yeah, who hires yeah. Nedry. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's from Biosyn. Like, yeah, I, I, I know. I was just saying oh, the name because oh, I like okay. it. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought you, I, okay. Sorry. I thought you were no, like no, saying no. it like they made it up. Um, no, no, no. But it's, like in the, uh, like with the lack of archival materials, I'd love to know, like, what the heck was this? Like, was this, was this supposed to be something more? Like, was there supposed to have been like a draft? Like, was this like a, like something that had been created for the canceled Jurassic Park cartoon show uh, at the time. Like, well, I, but I we won't throw know in, because there's no archival material with the game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I, this is where my point is going to come in. Are we fair to judge a game for what it's not compared to what it is? Or huh? like, like other companies have like we mentioned uh, Digital Eclipse. They they do a lot of archival material and interviews and stuff like that. Should we expect that from every company going forward? I mean, if you're going to put a premium on this kind of stuff, like limited run does, then yes. If you're just going to think seven games at 30 bucks is a premium though. I'm talking like with all the physical editions and stuff like that too. Physical collections. We're talking about the game for 30 bucks. I know, but again, like digital eclipse also releases stuff at the same price point. Like, Again, that's why I'm asking, are, are we, is it, is it right to compare the companies for what one does and what one doesn't? I'm asking uh, your opinion here. You guys are the reviewers. I'm just for my talking. Opinion, then yes, absolutely. <laughs> then yeah. Like if you're, if it's just going to be like a bare bones, I mean, here's the thing. Like I could even be like, all right, yeah, they didn't explain anything, but you didn't even include a fucking manual in your game. Like, come on. Like yeah, the- five dollar Rattalika games include like little things telling you what the buttons do. Like this one couldn't even do that. That no, like this is some of the yeah some of the games have it in the option menus, but yeah, that's because it's in the game itself, you know. But yeah, the I would say I I do agree with that to a point that the um that even compared to like much less priced games like these really do have kind of a minimum like bare minimum of uh of extra like things like kind of tying them together like i said you have one crt filter um or lcd if it's a game boy game um you have a music player in multiple languages which is kind of cool um actually the music does kind of rule especially on the game boy ones um, yeah uh if you go up on limited runs website you could actually buy soundtrack lps Nice. I I, I don't do that, but that's cool. (laughs) I mean, paying 40 bucks for a video game soundtrack on vinyl seems, I don't know that that's, that's a hobby I can't get into because (laughs) I literally, I can't, I cannot or will not. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say, yeah, it's, there really are like some kind of like, you know, missed opportunities here as far as, um, having something, like I said, it literally got save state, load state, um, one border, which is the Jurassic park sunset. One, uh, one CRT filter, uh, two options of screen size that's native or full, and then show the in-game map, which um, you can kind of look at and you know scroll around and stuff separate from the game. Like it's not displayed on like the corner or anything like that. It's just show in-game map, and it will show you the in-game map. Um, so you know, I feel like it really is kind of you know this is a collection of seven games. That's what they're asking the money for. And by the way, you can save state. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we got to we got to talk price. It is 30 bucks. You're getting 7 games out of this. What are your verdicts? I, think, I give it a try it. I'm going to go ahead and give it a buy it for Jurassic Park fans. Um and I think well, that these are worthwhile games to like play. Like cuz they do have a lot of really interesting things in them like if you're interested in retro games. I think they're um, there's a lot that was overlooked in these um, going on, like especially in those like kind of later ones. Um, you know, you really had a lot of cool stuff in there. Uh, besides just the fact that you know it's once again Grant has to uh, restore power to the island and escape somehow. <laughs> like that, it's literally <laughs> that time seven. Well, I guess except for uh, except for the chaos continues. That's a little bit different because you got Biosyn that and as the evil monster you have to fight. Um, and you're told not to harm any of the expensive animals, um, except for the T-Rex. They, they hate that T-Rex. <laughs> but I'm going to say it's a buy it for fans of that kind of thing. The retro curious who, you know, didn't uh, collect these back in the day. Like, it's the emulation is fine on it. Um, you know, rewind and, and save states and stuff is beneficial for folks who don't like the difficulty. But you will be kind of left hanging for uh, for things like a guide or, you know, anything like that. Uh, or any kind of like history lessons or anything, which I'm not particularly like needing in in a thing like this, especially for that price. So just for the fact that it's half the price of a uh, of a full price single game nowadays, I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's that puts it in buy it territory for me. Um, everyone else, I mean, you know, you're not going to find these a la carte or anything. So you know, it's a try it if if the uh, if you want to like play that Genesis game again, but without the cool intro, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I will agree with that. If you're a big Jurassic Park fan, then yeah, this is definitely a buy it. But I'm still holding with my try it on this. Um, it had hey. they included like the like all the stuff that I'm just like where like where's all like the archival material? I would have been like hell yeah, let's pay sixty bucks for this. Like yeah. it's 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 a real shame it's not included. I, I call that yeah i just call that a missed opportunity like they could have really made this really special but i mean that's fine it's seven games for 30 bucks that's cool <laughs> cool all right well jacob that is it for you we will let you get going Woo! <laughs> you're oh, free yay uh, the electricity has been turned off of the <laughs> paddock what, wow. what are you up to tonight or did he leave already i don't know he's still here that. no no i'm still here um I mean, I've got dad. that Surfer game to play and something else, and otherwise I'm just going to play Dr- Dreamlight Valley. You know how it would oh, be. sweet. I'm thinking about finally getting that, dude. I really want to try it. Well, dude, get it before uh, December 5th. Oh, is it on sale right now? Uh, Joe, Actually, it is on, on sale on Xbox. Nice. Okay. Can we can we it's play together if I get it on I Xbox? Oh, eventually. Sweet. Uh, they okay, are introducing cool. multiplayer to it eventually. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Is it a Series X only game? Is what? Is it a Series X only game? That I don't know. I've only played it on a Series X, but that's because it's only been out while I've had a Series X. It so. is on Xbox One, Series X and S, and PC on the Microsoft side, so you could play it wherever. Is yeah, uh, I might play one of those good old play anywhere titles. Aw, Aki and I are going to play together. You know what? Sure. Fine. <gasps> Why not? Ooh, exciting. Yeah, I, I uh, have until late February. I have nothing to do during these three months. Fuck it. Yeah, let's play. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, have a Jacob. Good night. Have a good one.
Moving on, next game to talk about is The Walking Dead Destinies, developed by Flux Games, published by Game Mill Entertainment. Released November 17th on Xbox One, Series X and S, Switch, PS4, and PS5 for $49.99. Begin your journey as Rick Grimes, waking alone in a hospital surrounded by the dead. Assemble allies and fight your way through the Walker apocalypse across iconic locations from The Walking Dead, including Atlanta, the Green Family Farm, the prison, and Woodbury. In crucial choice-driven moments, you'll forever shape the destiny of your team of characters from the series. Uh, Aki, let's let's shoot straight and honest. This game has a bad reputation. Is yes, it, it warranted? Does. I don't know what the bad reputation was for. I never actually looked at it. I just know really? it was a really bad one. Yeah. Do you know uh, what the, the bad reputation was for? The visuals, the voice acting, the controls, the gameplay, uh, people don't like much about the game at all, and they're calling it one of the worst of the year. I, it, It's not the best game I've played, that's for sure. I don't think it deserves quite all the hate. Some of it is very valid. Visually, it is not a particularly good-looking game. It, it is very dated. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this had come on like the Xbox 360 uh to be honest um so it's it's not particularly good looking that doesn't bother me a great deal personally um the voice actors are people a majority of them they tried to get people who could mimic the proper actors from the TV show not all of them uh can do that even remotely like Glenn's character it sounds nothing like Glenn at all <laughs> um it's it's pretty god awful but, like, the guy that they had that was playing Shane, I wouldn't have realized that that wasn't the original actor. Because uh, he, he did really good. Um, Rick, the one who played Rick Grimes was okay. Lots of the other characters were questionable at best. Um, but that doesn't shock me. It's not like they were going to get the original cast in. That's, that really? just wasn't going to happen. Um, Combat-wise, eh, it's okay. It's It's not great um it's very stiff and uh you have two forms of combat in this game there's melee and then there's shooting and the shooting is kind of shit uh to be honest it's it's just not very good um you get a reticule on the screen and it snaps two enemies it's very generous at that because once enemies get within like five feet of your character good luck shooting them anymore because uh it can't handle that um <laughs> which is bad uh melee combat isn't too bad it's really simplistic except for every time you tap that button to hit it's going to hit and it's going to take a couple seconds between you pushing that button and it happening so if you accidentally hit three times well you're going to hit three times even if you only needed to <laughs> um and i forgot what the other part was so it's it's kind of warranted um I, d I don't think this is one of the worst games. Like, people are saying this is worse than Golem. It, it isn't, period. Uh, it's really not. They're saying it's worse than that King Kong uh, Skull Island, which is also... still want to play that um, one. ...from them. Uh, it's it's not worse than that. Uh, I, I have trouble imagining anything's worse than that King Kong game. Uh, just in general, <laughs> period. So, yeah, it's it's not it's not a good game. But it's not bad either. Um, it, you have to be able to deal with some of the uh, poor performance of it in order to like it. If you can't get past that, you're going to hate this game. 
Um, <laughs> this goes through the basic story of the first, I believe, four seasons of the show. It gets up to the point where you deal with the mayor, which I believe was the start of season four. And through it, you get to make decisions, um, which can drastically change. Well, it doesn't change the outcome of everything that happens, but it changes who's around. Um, and lots of them are proper choices that were made in the actual show. Like, for instance, you get to choose who gets to lead everybody, Shane or Rick Grimes. And everyone knows the famous scene. No, your where, mic is uh, getting really noisy. Is something going on over there? Uh, no. Um, maybe it was touching something metal. Is it better now? No, it's like really <laughs> hissy. Better? I can't tell because you're not talking. <laughs> no, well, I, I, I don't really have anything I can do, sadly. Try unplugging it and plugging it back in quick. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Did it work? I think that fixed it a bit. Okay, cool. Um, like everyone knows the uh, part where uh, Shane and Rick decide who gets to uh, lead the group. I'm sure everyone's very familiar with that part if you've seen the show. Uh, you get to decide who, who gets to lead them. Uh, and that changes some story points later on. But obviously, uh, it very drastically changes uh, which one of them is uh still moving around uh you know and, and there's points like in the tv show lori dies to uh, some zombies and i don't care about spoilers because the show was like over a decade ago if you haven't yeah, watched it, it, it that was a bunch of seasons ago if you didn't know that come on yeah uh you can save her uh mm. but every one of your choices comes at the cost of someone else so uh. if you save her someone else is going to end up dying who otherwise would have survived through the show uh there's only one choice in there that wasn't actually in the show and ironically it's the very last choice in the game so i'm not gonna bring it up yeah don't um, spoil that <laughs> but yeah uh you get to make one basically in every chapter um i think in chapter two or three you get to make two of them because one of the choices is who's going to lead um but like one of the first choices is do you handcuff um, Merle or not? And that dictates whether Merle or T-Dog is in your group from that point forward. Because, obviously, one of them gets pissed off. Uh, and it's just which one gets pissed off, so which one stays with you. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting in that aspect. I did enjoy that. I personally made m most of the same choices that were made in the TV show just because those seemed like the better choices uh <laughs> honestly so uh and yeah uh, i really liked that concept so you could have this where rick is gone by the end and instead shane is just kicking all the ass and being the piece of shit that shane is um so you know that's really cool uh it, it sounds to me like it's something that was good in idea but really came up short in execution very much so. Uh, I, th I think this could have stood to, one, it definitely, it really, really, really needs just 
better graphics because it, it kind of looks like shit, um, which is sad. And like zombies, there's like four. That's it. There's four. There's Jeez. that's all. Um, and I don't in the whole game. The times, no. <laughs> there's like four. You'll you'll be killing the same like four or five zombies the entire game. Lord. And there's there there's two technically three types. There's a big one. There's one without legs that you can turn any of the normal ones into, and normal ones, and that's it. It's like, mm. so it leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I, I think this really should have had more time, more funding, because uh, this apparently didn't get very much funding or time. I think this was made in exactly a year or just under a year is all the yeah, time that's, that that's the dev what had. I've been hearing too. That Game Mill needs to leave these games cook a little longer. This and Kong coming out so close to each other, like. I know their their DreamWorks kart racing was pretty decent. Nick All-Stars Brawl was pretty decent. But they have, between this and Kong, people are talking like two of the worst games of the year from the same publisher. And that's kind of worrying. Yeah, and Especially that, that, at a $50 price tag. But yeah, I gotta know, in your eyes at 50 bucks, what are your thoughts? I, I can't recommend it at 50 If you get it on like a half-off sale... Sure. I think it's worth a good 20, 25 bucks. Yeah. It's a, it's a decent game. You know, it'll run you maybe 15 hours at max, um, to run through it twice, probably just so you can see all the different choices. Uh, you can get all the achievements in one single playthrough. That's what I did. It's not that hard to do. There's achievements for doing specific stuff in various levels and it tells you what level and everything. So it's very nice. Um, and yeah, I I enjoyed it, but at fifty, <laughs> no, uh, no chance in hell. Uh, but at a sale, I, I I think lots of people, especially if you like the show or haven't seen the show, I I think you could probably get a kick out of this because it does tell you basically what happened in the first uh, three seasons and the start of the fourth pretty succinctly because that's about as far into the show as I actually got because I uh, <laughs> binged the all of it. And then got real tired of it uh, at that point. So I recognized almost everything that happened. And it tells you a pretty good, solid story of it. So, yeah. Uh, just not at 50. I I dropped off the show when Negan appeared. And, you know, the big thing, obviously, spoilers, he kills Glenn. Like, everyone yeah. knew that was coming. But he killed someone else. And the problem with that was that they had the cliffhanger ending. Where they didn't show who died for months yep. and then the episode started and they didn't show who died and they made yeah. you sit and wait that was the last episode i watched i think that was season six or seven i think something like that i yeah i went through a lot of shit with that show but that they didn't value my time as a viewer with that God, no. and i gave up yeah the, the this game ends right after uh, they lose the prison. Mm. It they lose the prison, and that is the very last chapter of this gotcha. game. So, you, you've it, it, from where you've watched it, you've seen everything in this game. Um, and yeah, I, I liked it. I actually had plenty of fun with it, but it's not worth fifty dollars. Yeah. No, no. All right. Well, that is it for you, Aki. We will let you get going, so you can go on your road trip tomorrow. Uh, have safe travels and. Uh, Maybe we'll see you next episode. <laughs> uh, not likely. I I might be in 
in like the typing chat area, maybe. Um, because I do have 5G on my phone, so hopefully I can at least be in there, but I will not be on the actual show. Because uh, I definitely will not be at their house at that point, because it's a three-day drive. Yay! <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Well, we might it's... record something with you, so you never know. You might be on the next episode. Yeah, it'll just be later. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Do you have any <laughs> final words? Gunpla is awesome, and fuck any of you who disagree. <laughs> All right, next up yeah. is Steam. Yeah. Oh, next up, we just got a sub from Burger Thing. Thank you for the fifth hey. month sub. Uh, thanks to also, Jacob. He dropped the sub earlier. Name. <laughs> Thank you. Burger Thing is a great name. Burger Thing is dope, dude. From one McDonald's goth to Burger, Burger Thing. Respect to you, my friend. <laughs> All right. Now, next up, uh, Steam World Build, developed by the Station and Thunderful Development, published by Thunderful Publishing, released December 1st on Xbox One, Series X and S, Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC for $29.99. In Steam World Build, you must escape a dying planet by building a mining town to dig up vital long-lost technology. Meet the ever-growing needs of your citizens, trade resources, and defend your mind from the creatures that lurk below. Now tell us about your time with Steam World Build. So, Steam World Build is a continuation of the Steam World franchise. Many people might know of it from like Steam World Heist and Steam World Dig. My favorite, personally, um, and what was it? Steam World Quest, which I never got a chance to do much with. But Steam World Build is yeah! this developer's take on the city builder genre, and. Honestly, I do feel as though they may have a little something here, though, because it does feel slightly different from what I'm used to in this genre, but some might also find it to be not, I don't know, maybe not taxing enough. I don't know. But You know what I do know, though? I don't know. That Trash Rando just dropped a sub for the 12th month. Trash Rando, thank you so much for hanging out. One year, baby. It is a a whole year of, of just... Happy bad, bad Rando. decisions. So Rando. <laughs> Thank you, Trash Rando. Love seeing you here. Uh, Pernell, as you were saying about SteamWorld Build. So Trash Rando should get this game. Now let me stop. Um, <laughs> so basically, this is their take on the city builder. And the idea behind it is, like you said, it's I only did the story mode. I didn't mess with anything beyond that. Um, but it does follow what you were describing. People try... Well, people loosely robots trying to get off of a dying world and they were given advice by something referred to as the core that they can mine within the ground to find parts of a rocket that they can use to ultimately escape so your premise or rather your ultimate goal in the game is to get to this rocket and get the components for it and then pretty much use it to escape um well also you gotta put some fuel in it too basically just one more le- added level of intricacy to the escapades but you don't just get work done without a bit of elbow grease. And the elbow grease comes in the form of worker bots. So worker bots need a place to live, which is where the build of the city building comes into play. Because you choose from one of five different maps, and each of those maps just kind of give you a different you know, environment to work under, different, slightly different conditions, so to speak. Uh, and then once you've chosen one, bam, you have to begin. The game primarily builds around putting down residencies, and the residencies are where the worker robots will live. 
Once you've built them, the worker robots will have a request for resources, per se. Like, they might want access to water, which means you need to have a cactus farm built to provide them with that. They might want access to what would be the equivalent of a robot hospital, so a repair bay. So you got to build one of those nearby, too. And a few other resources. You build these things adjacent to roads, roads that are connecting the buildings together so that they can get access to these facilities. So let's say I build, I don't know, 10 residences along a road and I build a general store in a repair bay at the top of the road. It might only reach seven or eight of those homes because it's based on how much of a distance along a road, whether it winds or goes straight, a building can cover. So you need to make sure that when you put these facilities down to accommodate your residents, they reach as much of those residents as possible. So that's the simple part of it, because once you've done that, now you might also need to get more resources as well to accommodate building new facilities. So to do that, for example, you might want to get some lumber. Lumber needs to be made by producing a lumber yard, which needs to be built on fertile soil specifically. So you choose fertile soil, lay it down, and then that needs to be processed into either kind of like charcoal or charcoal or lumber. So there's a whole process and order of operations where you have to produce different things from different things, all of which are stored in warehouses, which you also need to build. And then they can get distributed to the people in the town and then up turn turn make them happy. If they are happy, they will pay you money in the form of like income tax or just taxes. That money can be used to, you guessed it, build more things. Uh, Keep people happy, get more money, build more things. But then eventually you reach a point where workers aren't enough. You need to do work that can only be done by an engineer. How do you get an engineer? By upgrading happy workers. Because one thing about this game that I do like, and I'm sure other city builders do something like this, but I don't recall any because I don't get to play a ton of these that involve people as opposed to facilities. Um, If you have people or workers that are happy and satisfied enough, you can upgrade them to the next level. The benefit to that is that they have expanded capabilities. The downside to that is they have different needs. Once you get engineers, for example, engineers need to get drunk. So they want moonshine, which means now those cactus farms that have been producing water up until this point need to have some sort of add-on that can be used to produce moonshine. So now your water isn't just being used to fulfill worker needs, but now the water is being used in the moonshine distillery to produce moonshine for the engineers. So if you don't produce stuff in enough frequency and enough of a capacity, you might come up with a bottleneck where you're not getting resources quickly enough to fulfill people's needs. You could also do things like improve the road quality so that things get from place to place faster. I've been rambling a lot, but that just means to go to show you that there's a lot of intricacies that go into like the construction of facilities and making sure that people are getting the accommodations that they need. If you find yourself in a situation, however, where you might feel as though you're resources are a little tight or you're not producing things quickly enough, there is also a trade function in the form of a train that comes through town on occasion. When that train comes through, it will release a series of items you can buy in addition to items that can be traded for with things you have. So the aforementioned cactuses that you feel as though you're you're kind of lacking on, well, if you have to be sitting on a ton of lumber or a bucket full of money, you can just flat out say, I want to buy all the units of cactus you've got on hand, usually about a thousand or so. And you can just buy it. Um, of course, you don't want to do that specifically all the time because that's inefficient, but it can get you out of a pinch when you find yourself lacking in a certain resource or whatever. Um, 
And the funny thing about this is that I'm primarily just describing the first layer of this game because also, the, the, the unlike a lot of other city builders, this game is multi-layer. And a level that I haven't really discussed since playing SimCity 3000 when they introduced plumbing, um, you go underground in this game too. So everything being done above ground is made to make meant to make the workers happy and the town thrive and function. But then eventually, once you go underground, you start transporting individuals like engineers and worker droids down there, and you produce facilities to house another group of worker types like miners and guards. And what you end up doing with that is you use these people to now mine underground for more resources like gold nuggets and toolkits. And then you can use those things to do things both above ground and below ground. And you have to kind of do extra elements of protection for your workers on the ground because you can deal with cave-ins. You got to put pillars up if you have if you mine haphazardly to produce, you know, huge alcoves without support. You have to put pillars down. You got to put you know facilities down for these new workers. And then sometimes, eventually, you'll start to get attacked by enemies underground. But this isn't an action game, so you're not going to worry about you know you know doing any crazy shooting or nothing. But you do need to have guard robots on hand along with turrets you can have built. Once you have the proper facilities and they can defend your minor doors, they can continue doing their jobs. And the odd thing about it, I described a lot of stuff. Honestly, I'm not even sure if I was able to explain it the way that made sense because there's a lot of crap here. But <laughs> the funniest thing of all is that at least on the difficulty I played on, which was normal mode, the game is actually pretty stress-free too. Like it gets to the point where you might be like, oh man, I'm not getting people what they want. But it's not too hard to see, you know, icons that say these people aren't satisfied. You can scroll over to that building, see the icon that displays what they're missing, and just ensure that they start getting the thing they want. If you know you're producing it, but somehow they just aren't getting it, that means you're underproducing it. You need to produce more of it. Um, and it's just a, it just fuels a flow of build, satisfy, upgrade, build, satisfy, upgrade, eventually go underground, build, satisfy, upgrade, mine, 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 go further down, oh, crap, <laughs> jerk bags, defend, mine, 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 and you keep going. But it's zenish. It's very zenish. <clears throat> and I do feel as though it fills the niche that I would expect from a SteamWorld game by making something accessible by way of using their... I don't know, I guess they're well-cultured thematics and, I guess, franchise naming or franchise that they've built up to introduce people to this gameplay type. But I also feel as though if you have been playing these games for a while, there's still something for you to like in this element, too. And I do apologize if I sound kind of flimmy or whatever. I'm definitely under the weather right now. But I think I'm we all are. It's, it's the season are. and shit's just going around anymore. Yeah, I think I got hit on the Black Friday crap. I went out on the weekend, came back on Sunday. Next thing I was like, oh boy, I feel it coming on. Woke up on Monday morning. Wow, my brain is still on my pillow. I need to pick that back up. And Jeez. it's been like that ever since. <laughs> but I'm getting better. I've gotten a lot better. I'm down to just the, the flimminess now. Whereas before I had a freaking full migraine. But uh, I'll take what I can get. But enough about me. What am I thinking about SteamWorld Build? Yes, I think the game is good. I had a good time playing it. Um, I have a question for you about the game. As someone okay. who's not really a fan of simulator, like building games, town building, does this game offer anything to me or should I just like check out of this one? I'll be honest with you. I would say probably the checking out then because mm. this is a city builder with the difference being 
that it's more about it just gives you this cool element of like now it's being done with these robots and these characterized robots um with that said though i guess one thing that i might say might feel a little different about this compared to other city builders that i have played is that uh the majority of the needs come down to the individual robot types whereas a lot of city builders i've played you gotta deal with taxes and you gotta deal with you know city property codes and mess like that making sure everything's adhering to standards this game you're basically saying can my engineers get drunk um are my philanthropist robots and you'll get what they want? Are the scientists getting what they want? And you can really get to the point. Oh, one other thing I should mention that's probably different from other city builders is that this game is very, uh, I guess, relaxed when it comes to righting wrongs and mistakes in your layout. Like, let's say, for example, you built up an entire district of workers. The workers are doing what they want, but now you're getting to the point where you start getting new levels of characters. You're going to the engineer level. And you're, the way you operate, you like to have miners over here, engineers over here, <clears throat> because it's just easier for you to maintain who's doing what until you need to eventually upgrade some people. You can literally just pick up a building and move it. As long <laughs> as you have a road, you can just lift the building and move it somewhere else with no penalty. Now, obviously, if you put it down somewhere where it can't be provided for, you made a mistake then, and it's not going to work out well for you. But... I have had moments where I've shuffled buildings around to get what I wanted, and it's been very nice. You cannot do that in a normal city building. You have to destroy the whole damn building. <laughs> you mean you lost money, you lost resources, and then you got to build it again somewhere else. I feel like that aspect alone makes a lot of makes this a lot less tedious than some other games of this type. It's easier to make you know, to fix mistakes. Also. Um, at least on the difficulty I'm playing on, if you destroy a building, you pretty much get the money back. Ah, so that's good. Like, want to know what else is good about this game? Um, somebody sub. No, about the game. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's on Game Pass. It's on Game Pass. Ah, yeah, I got so you. If, you didn't think I knew. If, if hey. people aren't aren't too sure about it, if they want to give the game a go, they could always download it on Game Pass. Give it a try. But for the the people who have thirty bucks, is this game worth the thirty? I do think it is. I mean, it shouldn't surprise most people. I mean, I well, most people, you don't, you people don't know me. Y'all don't know me. Um, <laughs> I'm a sucker for SteamWorld games. I generally slock, sock down cash for them, sight unseen, and have yet to be disappointed. This is another example where I don't feel disappointed in the game. And I do feel as though it is worth the cost they're asking for. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Next up is Calico, developed by Peachy Keen Games, published by Whitethorn Games, released November 28th on PS4 and PS5 for $11.99. Calico is a day-in-the-life community sim game where you're given an important and adorable task. Rebuild the town's cat cafe and fill it with cute and cuddly creatures. Build up your cafe by filling it with cute furniture, fun decorations, yummy pastries, and get it bustling with animals again. Brooke, tell us about your time with Calico. Oh, man, I... Uh... I didn't expect this game to be this good. I had a really, really great time in Calico. And I'm definitely going to be continuing to play it post-review. Uh, so that's a buy-it for me. Yep. <laughs> Will be a buy-it quite for everyone, uh, even the cozy gamers at Targets. Um, but for this review, if you're a cozy gamer who likes the aesthetic of this game and likes the sound of what Joe read to us above, but you've seen gameplay trailers and think graphically and mechanics-wise this game maybe isn't your cup of tea, maybe looks a tiny bit floppy or unfinished, I am going to try to talk you into getting this and giving it a try anyway. So listen up while I first talk about 
the things that this game is doing super right, and in most cases, arguably, unlike any other game, frankly. I'm talking original. I'm talking unique. Unique. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Uh, If you've seen the cover for this game or any gameplay for it, even just screenshots, you probably already know this game has got mad style. And it's not only got a wide breadth of style, but also cohesiveness to it, even though, as in any good decorating game, there's a lot of different styles going on within the game to give you a lot of customization. Uh, So let's talk style art aesthetics. Absolute A-plus for me for vision and execution of style, which for me is different than, say, let's say execution of graphics and programming and mechanics, which we will talk about more in a minute. That's separate from this for me. Basically, the vision for this game, artistically and aesthetically, is super on point. And the concept of what this game wants to do artistically is really, really well realized here. I don't actually know whether the designers of this game or actually the the artists and the programmers for it, it themselves. The people who had the concept for the art in this game, if they're the ones actually drawing it in the game, should have looked that up. But this game is so cohesive stylistically to me. And it just feels like such a strong vision that I would either assume they are, or they got really lucky with their artists truly understanding what they wanted to do here. And they were just super duper aligned on dream and vision here. I'm talking clothes you wear, characters you meet with, plants, animals, the world itself, which is full of pink trees in the first oh, area you started. saying the game was made by two people, though. So. That's amazing. That makes a lot of That's... sense, and it's going to make my review make a lot of sense later. <laughs> uh, this is truly a masterpiece, so I probably should have looked that up before I started this. But I also like to blindly speculate and just give my take <laughs> as well. So that's cool. You know, I like kind of not knowing that, but being very impressed by that in this moment. Uh, yeah, but... Plants, animals, food you cook, furniture, different parts of the world. It all looks wonderful. And it's not just cutesy stuff. Let's talk just about people you might meet, your neighbors in this game. You're going to meet, this is why I picked this game up from Joe, plenty of thick, sexy, big titty goth GFs with all kinds of pastel (laughs) and non-pastel. I'm serious. Look this up now. Honestly, Aki needs to be hearing this review, but I wasn't going to whine about it too hard when I heard what she had going on. I'm thinking about buying her this game, though. Yeah, uh, non-pastel anime hairstyles, pastel anime hairstyles, also different culturally inclusive hairstyles. Uh, Your hair can have a gradient of two colors. Those colors can definitely be teal and purple and, and sparkly and junk. Character creation isn't overwhelming, but it's got way more options than I expected. Uh, customization is a cornerstone of this game from start to finish for real. There's all kinds of cute and sexy and punk and goth clothes going on. We got fishnets. We've also got like a cottage core, flowy skirts and apron vibe going on. But we've also got fairy core, which I didn't know was a thing before I played this game. Uh, basically, if a fan if fan art of Sailor Scouts were to pop up in the illustration that goes with the lo-fi study playlist on YouTube, y'all know what I'm talking about, and the Sailor Scouts were dressed in like 90s clothes and also modern Korean streetwear clothes, goth stuff, alternative stuff, maybe some lace. You might see a girl wearing some fairy rings and the fairy wings and thigh highs. You might see a girl in a crop top hoodie with a custom strawberry print on it, or maybe even an upside down pentagram in the shape of a heart. So many clothes and customization options in this game. You can meet those girls, you can be those girls. Or guys, which brings me to my next thing I want to talk about that this game absolutely slays. Inclusivity. This is definitely LGBTQ, community-friendly, and then some. You may have noticed the description Joe read for us uh, for the game here. You will journey to a small village filled with magical girls and other fantastical friends. 
Yeah, that's accurate. I've met one person in town so far who isn't a cute and hot and stylish magical girl yet. And it was a cute, hot, stylish magical girl's dad who lives with her and helps her on the farm. So far, that's the only guy I've seen here. Uh, there's definitely queer characters in the game. Arguably, arguably, maybe all of them, but we also don't spend very much time putting labels on folks, which is nice, too. But yeah, when it comes to inclusivity and representation, this game is the real deal. It's not phoning it in. And as much as I appreciate games like Rune Factory and Stardew letting you date whoever and just not letting you, not making you uh, make choices there based on characters' preferences, NPCs' preferences themselves, this game is bringing us some very real and specific representation that isn't just date who you want, but also many characters are, are really representing queerness uh, here. Playability. It's great. Uh, I'm going to talk a bit more about that and accessibility. Music sound effects, really great. I love the different music that happens when you're crafting, when you're cooking, when you're exploring different parts of the world. As you open up different areas, different music will be unlocked as well. Um, story. We got a pretty good story here for a cozy game, especially at this price point. But the main overarching story isn't super, super long. This isn't like a 70-hour story. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to spoil anything. But I also want to mention that as you go through the story and main quests, more and more of the world physically is going to unlock, opening up a lot more open-ended, exploratory, farmy gameplay as you go to get just delightfully distracted with. Uh, now, why did I take... This game, when Joe offered it to me, I started checking it out. Well, I saw some big titty pastel goth girls on the front. I saw, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> I saw the font for the word calico. It was a very cute cat font. And then I read, oh, you get to make a cat cafe in this in this town. I heard there were clothes and they were decorating. And like by then, my brain is on fire. I'm like, yeah, Joe, I want this game. I'm like drooling out of the side of my mouth. Uh, but I, uh, you can also make, oh man, I accidentally messed up my notes here. Give me one second. No. <laughs> okay, you're right. You're right. I'm back in. But I also saw that it was a cooking game. A freaking <laughs> you, love cooking you, you game. You could have all Joe, the time you need, by the way. <laughs> you got me on track. No, you did it, bud. No, I just, I literally copy and pasted wrong in my notes here and had to speed ahead. But yeah, I love cooking games. And when they're dessert centric, when they're pastry and bakery centric, I mean, y'all know me, my brain is exploding. I was very satisfied by the cooking game, but it was also super weird, the cooking mini game. So let's talk about how you cook in this game. Are y'all familiar with the old classic movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Pernell. Uh, did I ever, this isn't a story for now, but did I ever tell y'all about the time I met Michael Sarah and I tried to pitch him that movie as if it wasn't already made? <laughs> you made, you made no, I've never I heard that take, story. I don't want to take up too much time, but please remind me to tell that in our in our pre-show banter next week because uh, I would love to. Um, but I haven't. I'll message you when this is over. <laughs> okay, sounds good. You ain't gonna have to hear it again on Tuesday, but I'll do an impression of myself. It'll be nice. Uh, it's it's actually a really painful story. It doesn't end well for me. So yeah, tune in next week, please, to hear this. Um, but yeah, so this game, the, the cooking is kind of like Honey I Shrunk the Kids when you're learning how to cook. The sexy cat lady who is the mayor, by the way, uh, is like, hey, cooking's a little different around here. We use the old world magic in this town. And what she means by that is when you cook, you go into the kitchen and then you are magically shrunk down until you're even smaller than the size of any of your ingredients. And then you walk around in your little open world obstacle course kitchen and you're timed while you need to collect ingredients one by one and then add them to whatever you're cooking. There's different, um, what do you call them, like springboard seesaws that will catapult you to different shelves in the kitchen. So it's almost got like some timed platformer physics simulator stuff going on in it. And 
I'm kind of glad I didn't know that going in because I may not have looked forward to that, but I ended up finding it completely fun. I just, and I thought it was really well done, clever, and just really funny and interesting and yeah, fun to run through the obstacle course. Uh, if you're making cookies, I don't know about all cookies, but sometimes the ingredients go into like a bubbling magical cauldron that shows up and you got to collect them and pour them in. A different cookie recipe may have you bake the cookies in an oven and the oven is a lot like uh, Quiznos sandwich ovens where it needs to go back and forth on a conveyor belt until it's cooked. Well, how do you power that conveyor belt? Is it a button? No. You need to get on your hamster wheel that is attached to the oven and run on it until the cookies are done. You might have to send them back through. Well, you're going to have to run out of the hamster wheel, jump, jump back in it at the opposite direction to get it to pull through the oven again. If you're icing cookies, hey, all those cookies are way bigger than you, bro. How are you going to put little cute cat icing faces on the cookies, it makes them look like adorable little kitty cat faces. Well, you have a handy dandy icing pogo stick. You're gonna need to ride all over those cookies until they're decorated. Sounds weird, but I honestly freaking loved it. I thought it was just super fun and just so, uh, if I may, unique. And there's plenty of unique, thank you. And there's plenty of unique mechanics out there that games have that aren't fun, that they kind of have for the sake of being unique. But I think that this is not only original and fun, thank you, but it works really well too. So yeah, once you make the food, uh, that batch of food is just there. You don't need to serve it to your cafe customers because the cafe itself, outside of making the food, is autonomous. You're going to decorate the cafe, and you're going to cook sometimes, and that's going to put your inventory levels at par, and you won't run out of cookies and coffee and stuff for a while. Magical girls and maybe even their dads sometimes will visit and buy your snacks while you're gone, or while you're still in there if you want to hang out, but you don't have to serve them. All you need to do for your cafe is decorate it if you want, make food to stock your kitchen, and collect new fun recipes as you go by exploring the world around you, fulfilling quests uh, from the townsfolk. Also, just talking to them and hanging out with them can get you recipes, patterns for clothing or furniture, you name it. Speaking of furniture and the act slash art of decorating this game, it's so lit. It's really good. You have tons of furniture options and more freedom to decorate just like you like it on a little invisible grid in your cafe than, say, Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley is going to give you because of our 3D open world graphics we're using here. They even give you a little starter set of furniture to set you out because that furniture is uh, that you end up with organically after the game begins is somewhat going to depend and branch out on what you do next or who you talk to. So you may not end up with the same exact types of furniture as your friend on a run in this game. Um, and when they do give you the starter furniture, by the way, the person giving you the furniture is a sexy, thick cat girl mare with big old cat ears poking out of some pink hair. She got like a mini skirt. I'm going to cut myself off here, but she's pretty cool. <laughs> she gives you three choices. Uh, cute, spooky, or rad. What's your first furniture you want to get? They don't give you any other information than that. I sat there for a long time before I made my choice between cute, spooky, or rad. This wasn't fair, because I can't imagine any words that could fit me more. How was I to pick between the three sides of my very soul? Uh, just kidding, I picked cute. I picked cute to be a basic bee, and I'm so glad I did, because can anyone here guess what the theme of the furniture I got when I picked the cute style was? Just one guess. No clue. It's bunny furniture. Bunny, oh, my God. oh my God. So I thought that this game would only have cat-themed stuff. So while we're here, let's say it's not just cats. You got dogs, you got bunnies, you got all kinds of crazy animals that I don't want to, like, spoil for you that can come live in your cafe but most importantly if you pick cute furniture they're giving you the bunny furniture first like the chairs have bunny ears the little uh couch has bunny ears too you can rotate them around as soon as this happened to me in the game first of all i just started crying with happiness second of all i picked up my review notes and i wrote the word buy it 
And then I wrote the word unique. Uh, just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I challenged myself to use unique a lot. I kept thinking that as I played this game. But yeah, let me wrap this up here. I know I'm going a little long. Uh, you can even do latte art. This is almost like an MS Paint thing. Um, recipes are timed. You don't not make the recipe. It just affects your finished product score. But if you do find the cooking too difficult and you don't want to participate in that part of the game because it is different than the other parts of the game, you can you can click a finish for me button and you just won't get a bonus to the food you make. But you can get your par levels up uh, that way. You can blow up a cat. So it, that sounded really wrong. You can make a cat giant. And then you can ride that cat. Any cat or animal can be chosen and that can become your loyal steed. Uh, you can also collect animals for your cafe. You can pick them up. You can store them on your head. So you can have one cat on your head and then you're holding a dog and you're holding him upside down. You have the option to pet him. You got the option to wiggle him. It's pretty sweet. Um, I did see someone on Twitter compare this game to Animal Crossing. While I ain't coming for blood on this one since there's no blood in this game, this is a cozy game, I gotta kind of disagree. I find this game to be much more open world, just a bigger game and more explory and more just more of a game than something like Animal Crossing. And y'all know me, I love that game. I have at least a thousand hours in every version of that game that has come out. But you're not just walking around and looking at people and talking to people once a day and maybe... In three years, we get a farming and cooking update. This is a game game. Cooking is cute and hilarious, but it's also challenging. The open world is a big-ass open world. It will take you like two minutes to walk from the cafe to the middle of town, which is fine because you're seeing beautiful pink trees on the way. It starts out feeling a little bit empty, but the like like any good community-building social sim game, a lot of it's going to be filled out, and I was very impressed by how big this game is. So let's talk depth of the game, too. The world is giant, uh, but there's also all kinds of new areas to discover as you advance the plot. Uh, for the, let's talk about socialization, too. For the price point here, I'm very happy with the NPC's dialogue and relationship building. Do I wish there was a little more NPC dialogue and relationship building? Sure, I'm always going to want that. I want way more than Animal Crossing gives me in that. I want more from Stardew Valley, which I think is one of the best. I want more from Rune Factory, which I feel gives us a lot. We're always going to want more. I do think that what this game offers in that respect is more than fair for the price. I think you will be, if you have experience with these games, you'll be, delight, you'll be delighted by the amount it does have. These characters are fun, inclusive as fuck, and both real and magical to me. And uh, yeah, I just find the dialogue interesting and fun to read. And as much as I love all the games in this little subgenre, I'm not always looking forward to what Mayor Lewis is going to say in Stardew Valley every day. Some of it gets a little <laughs> droll, gets a little boring. This game has definitely got a lot of personality, and each character has a personality too. So before I wrap this up, let's talk about what isn't exceptional about this game and what a lot of people do not love about it. Uh, for me, this is mostly just one thing and the rest of the game wins me over to a point where I don't care. Well, let's talk about it because it's a big deal. And if you read any other reviews of this game, you're going to be reading about this. The 3D graphics. Um, it's just kind of buggy. And I don't know if buggy is even the right word here because it feels like they definitely know what's up with the graphics and just had priorities with this game and a budget. And while the game has a really, really strong artistic and aesthetic kawaii uh, aesthetic with pink trees and bunny furniture and stuff, it does feel a little unfinished graphics-wise, just in the respect that, like, if you're in a building and you're going to look around and, and move the joystick around so you can do, like, a 360 view, furniture and stuff is just going to stick through the walls. It's just going to happen. The staircase might disappear for a minute as we change the view. If you're near an item... You and the item are going to combine. It's going to kind of stick out of the art. If two NPCs walk on top of each other, it's going to look a little messy. 
I don't really know how to describe this super well, but I feel like y'all know what I'm talking about. It's something that they dig but older Bethesda games on a lot. Like the graphics just kind of don't account for each other and don't overlap correctly. I don't mind this a lot, but I saw a lot of people dinging it. Um, mechanics. While I find the game gives you a lot of freedom and beats the crap out of other like open world quote unquote cozy games and what you can do and the jumping and the exploring. Uh, it gives you a lot of freedom. And you're supposed to jump around and take shortcuts. There's no fall damage. Um, yeah, and the only other thing I didn't really love about this game that I honestly wish was different, and I would love to see change in an update, the tutorial and any time that the game's teaching you something new. Even character creation itself, I just feel like it needs a bit more playtesting and feedback when the game is teaching stuff. Sometimes that stuff just isn't very clear to me, or I don't realize all the options I have, or I won't realize until way later past the tutorial when I'm on like several days into the game that I was actually getting something wrong or missing like a big feature that the game was trying to give me. Sorry, that's my medication alarm. Let me mute that. Just think that could use a little work. I'd love to see that tweaked in an update, although I realize this game initially came out not for PS5, which we're reviewing it for, but initially came out in 2020, so that would be a pretty late update. Despite that, I should actually, I should, I should let Joe ask me about rating before I launch into this last paragraph. All right, well, the game clocks in at $11.99. What are your thoughts on Calico? Despite everything I've said, I hope that if any part of this game sounds good to you, appeals to you, you do scoop it up because I think we're looking at what, $11.99 here? Yep. I think this is a steal if you like this vibe and you think it's going to give you more than enough gameplay and exploration and sense of wonder and cuteness than you could ever expect at this price point. I paid a fair amount of $40 for a fair amount of games I hope are going to give me this much fun and this much coziness and style and i think i think this really hits the mark the game isn't perfect but i find it to be a highly adorable work of art i really 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 have been fun playing in and i definitely going to continue playing and now that i hear that two people made this game that just makes a million times more sense to me the creators of this game had priorities they wanted to do it by themselves and considering that they got a lot done it's beautiful it's cohesive if any of it appeals to you please try this Cool. Uh, Thimber gives it their seal of approval as well in chat. Yeah, so. Thimber! What up? Also me, because I reviewed it like a year ago. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, that was a while ago. That was back when... Uh, How did you feel about it, dude? I guess you liked it. Uh, pretty much the same. Yeah. Nice. It I was a lot buggier when awesome. I played it, though. I, I have the Switch version, and I literally couldn't progress past a certain point of the game because it... Um, didn't like yeah there was an obstacle that was supposed to be removed and wasn't oh no (laughs) dang it i hear that uh i don't i I hear that when they upgraded to 1.4 version a lot of bugs and stuff were yeah my my review was just before that so okay yeah i didn't have to play it in that state um but i did hear some stories about that i'm gonna go back and listen to your review man did Catherine play it seems like it would be upper alley um don't think so no but um i don't know she might have bought it i don't really remember it was a while ago now but yeah i i felt good about it like i said it was just the bugs that that bothered me but yeah i brought up a lot of the same points i think it was way back on episode 643 if anyone wants to check that out chris and cole doing that that was a year-end review to or a year-end episode too oh wow i think there's only like three three reviews on that episode something like that but uh, anyway, that is it for you, Brooke. Are you sticking around or are you heading out? I'm hang out. Cool. I'll stick around. Sounds good. Uh, if you stick around long enough, maybe we'll hear that story at the end. Uh, hey, next- hey, no, let me do it at the beginning next time. It'll be cool. 
Next game to talk about is Knuckle Sandwich, developed by Andy Brophy, published by Andy Brophy and Super Hot Presents, released November 22nd on Steam for $19.99. Knuckle Sandwich is a turn-based RPG by Andy Brophy. Get a job, beat up some monsters, and solve a mystery that's plaguing Bright City. Brunel, what is Knuckle Sandwich? I was always going to say, you know, solve a mystery by Andy Brophy. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, full disclosure, this is probably one of my more anticipated games for this year. Um, I saw one of those, like, stealth trailers that popped up, probably was on Facebook or something, and I was immediately enamored with it. If you look at any screen art, you'll probably guess why. Um, and I will say that I came away from this game feeling pretty good and also learning more about it than I even realized from the trailer. So right off the cuff, how I'm going to describe this game is a very strange um, RPG that is pretty much an RPG if WarioWare was just dumped all over it and then blended in a nice mixer where you mash A frequently, and he dispense a great, groovy game. So, the premise for this game is hard to even convey, because it's a strange game. Your main character is new to a town, he wants to find a job, weird stuff happens at this job, resulting in him going on a weird mission where he be- discovers he's something referred to as an anomaly. He's working with a man who works for the Goblin Institute. He's d- teaming up with his co-workers, to solve mysteries in Bright City, just like you described in the, descri- in the description. But it's broken up into sections of referred to as chapters. Early on, they kind of start you off like in a small note where they kind of just kind of streamline you to different things. But eventually, you gain access to explore the city by choosing locations on a map and going around and checking things out that way, too. But as you progress through the game, you will ultimately, frequently engage in turn-based battles. And when these battles happen, whether you're attacking or defending, you'll be pressing buttons in time to something. Let's say, for example, you do just your basic attack. Asking me a phrase, I'll start over. Let's say you're defending against a regular enemy's attack. That enemy will approach you, you have a window where he's doing a slight animation, and eventually he's going to attack you. And if you press the button at the right time, you can dodge that attack and not take any damage. Every other attack is more elaborate than that, including your own. If you do your basic attack. It starts out simple. You're just like, okay, well, here's a bar. Think like a, like a Mario, like a golf game. You press the button, the cursor goes across it, you're trying to hit the sweet spot within a, another moving bar within that. And if you hit the sweet spot, you'll get critical damage. But if you hit on the left or right side of the sweet spot while it's moving along, you'll get minimum or maximum damage that's not critical. But the game, as you progress, throws monkey wrenches into even that. I have no, I had no idea there can be so many different ways to time an A button press that this game gives you. <laughs> it starts out with just being a single bar, then it becomes, I don't even want to spoil it, because I thought it was kind of cool every time the game told me, oh, wow, now you got chain combo attacks. Like, okay, that's cool. Um, but just know, it does not end as it starts, and you will be changing it up a lot. And then you do special moves, because all the special moves are straight-up WarioWare games. My favorite one by far so far is a character where it's our attack is called Tennis. And when you do the attack, you just, you're basically playing racket attack. There's a ball feeder shooting tennis balls across the screen, and you got to run left to right, hit as many tennis balls as you can in a window of time. And the more tennis balls you hit, the more damage you do to the enemies on the other side of the screen. Uh... Enemies, when they attack you with their special attacks, are also mini-games. You'll fight a slime monster that doesn't attack where 
in order to avoid taking damage, you have to hit the button at the right time to send the ball or golf ball to uh, to the cup in hopes of getting a hole in one. And if you don't get them hole in one, you take damage. If you perfect the mini game, you get considered as countering the attack and the enemy takes damage instead of you. And when you get to certain boss fights, you're going to almost need that because it could be a battle of attrition and you need to take as little damage as you can to hold on tight for this whole thing. Honestly, I thought initially that I'd probably find myself getting bored of doing the same mini games over and over again, depending on the attack. Like every once in a while, like for example, it's like a skeleton enemy that has like a shmup. And you have to like destroy the shmup target before the timer runs up or it destroys you. And every time he does that special attack, whenever you fight a skeleton, you have to play that little shmup minigame. I never got tired of it. I never got tired of any of the minigames, even the ones that weren't as fun as the others. And if you do manage to succeed on an enemy's special attack and complete it with a perfect counter, the next time an enemy does it, it's a harder version of that. So just like how in Wario where it'll go speed up and it gets harder and harder, the mini boss the the enemy special attacks in this game progressively get more difficult and challenging also. And I love it. I love that. I love the ridiculously quirky humor. I love the way the they don't even tell the story in a traditional manner. You might be in a dialogue scene where you're like standing in, there in a corner, you're talking to a character, the character's talking to you, and then they just teleport to another area of the same room to continue the conversation, and you're asking yourself, did he teleport there? Did the game just do a funky mechanic where he just like speed modded him over there? Like, oh, he totally walked there, but just just speed this up. It's interesting how they do that. Also, they'll occasionally go from like traditional, like, you know, the, the sprites that you see in most screen art to like these really weird, more realistic portrayals of the characters that are having like serious conversations. It's there's a lot going on with this game in a way that I feel is very appealing to me. It's not a particularly lengthy, it's not a long, long game. But what you are playing is fantastic. I I am glad that I was able to talk about this game on a show <laughs> because it gives me an opportunity to tell people that it's worth buying instead of me just playing it myself. Because I would have bought this anyway. Yeah, I do this all the time with games I like, but I'm saying here too. I would say, if anything, the one real, the two gripes I really have about the game are a typical one for a lot of RPGs, which is that you have to hold down a button to run, but you're never really going to want to walk. So please just been throw in a patch or something. Yes, yes. Please send an update that lets you add an option to the option screen that just says toggle run with the button. That would be awesome. Um, and the other thing, inventory management will drive you crazy at times. Your character can only hold like six items. If you get another party member, they can also hold about six items. But the weapon that you equip and the accessory that you equip also take up inventory spaces even after you've equipped them. So your inventory will fill up pretty fast. You are able to access like a Pokemon-esque PC to store and withdraw items. But even still, you will absolutely find yourself in scenarios where you're like, man, I got to drink that. I got to eat this, drink this cola just so I can make inventory space because I want to pick up that thing. Yeah, you can toss it, but you don't want to toss it. You want to use it. You found it, right? So that will happen and you will be annoyed. But other than that, yeah, I think this game is legit. It was a really nice surprise to see it pop up on a trailer, and now I got to play it. I am glad. It was a great final surprise. Well, not final, because Tevi comes out soon. But soon, like, second to last surprise of 2023. So, Oh, it costs nineteen ninety nine. What is your verdict? Absolutely worth a buy. This game is great. Cool. 
does even like quirky things. Quirky, quirky. Looks very Earthbound inspired. I don't doubt that in the slightest. I think it was. That's probably, that's what I was referring to when I said, if you've seen screenshots, you'll probably know what it drew me to it. And then it was exactly that. It looks very much like Mother 3 more so. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Next game is Alina of the Arena, developed by Pinnix Games and uh, mm. published by Dangan Entertainment and Pinnix Games. Released November 23rd on Xbox One, Series X and S, Switch, PS4, and PS5 for $14.99. A roguelike deck-building tactical game that combines elements from Slay the Spire and Into the Breach. Plays a gladiator to survive with deck-building roguelite and hex-based tactics no longer bound by simple attack and defense. Make use of dodges and knockbacks to stay alive. Chris, you tell us about Alina of the Arena, and I'm going to go check on what the hell noise my cats are making. Okay, great. All right, so, yeah, Alina of the Arena is a, uh, so yeah, this is a, what you could call a deck builder game, so you pick up, you know, cards and play them as your uh, turns in a turn bat turn-based kind of tactical combat sort of deal um yeah so these are this is normally a genre i kind of shy away from because um i don't know something about cards i'm just like man whatever um but yeah this one actually looked really cool and i'm i'm glad to say that um that my instincts were right on this one um so yeah, basically you start a run. Um, your one character is Alina. However, you can pick her um, her uh, kind of job. Um, you know, kind of like a job system, which is basically going to determine like her skills and and stats and things like that. So you know, you start off as slave, but then you end up you know unlocking like hunter and warrior, and then eventually some other jobs as well. Um, and of course they're all conditional. Um, everything about this game is about, you know, um, repetition and kind of building from, um, you know, different playthroughs. However, there's not a lot of permanent stuff that you can really unlock or anything. It's just more or less like unlocking more jobs, uh, through, you know, which give you kind of a better chance at surviving the first, you know, um, few worlds. But yeah, basically once you pick your character, it then takes you to a uh three rows of cards and uh those cards you know you basically have to defeat a certain amount of uh you know you have to beat a certain amount of fights in order to um challenge the champion who is like the boss of the of the playing field so the way that you select that is that you choose from one of the three rows of cards and you know what all the cards are so you can kind of see your path it's not like they're random or anything i mean they are random but you know you can see what they are um and yeah, it'll have something like fight. So if you pick a fight card, then you get into a fight and um, per chance to win. And um, if you get like a shop card, then that gives you a chance to go in and buy like a new card or a new um, weapon. Um, you have two hands. And so you can either have, you know, a two handed weapon or two weapons, two one handed weapons or like a weapon and a shield. I suppose two shields if you really want to be weird. But um, yeah, anyway, you know. And then the shop also, you know, you can purchase, um, like, basically cards, which are your moves, and then weapons, which are which determine, like, your stats, and they also have, like, special powers. Um, then you can do things like, yeah, do, like, an event where you basically do a multiple-choice kind of thing, usually involves sacrificing one thing to get another. Um, but, yeah, it really comes down to the combat. Again, these are required to progress the uh, game. Everything else is just kind of for building up your character. Uh, once you get into the fight, it puts you on a grid, uh, kind of a hex grid, and 
you know, your character draws like a whole bunch of cards, and those cards are going to determine your moves. Uh, one move that is always, always there, um, unless there's some class that removes it, I don't know, is initiative. Um, so the initiative allows you to move one square. Um, if you don't play the initiative as your first move, then you don't get to you don't get to use it. You don't get to move at all. Um, which, depending on your class, may not be a bad thing. Uh, again, the hunter is an archer, so you know you do actually spend a lot of time either going away from enemies or shooting them from a distance. So you know you're pretty good there. Um, but each card will have, you know, a lot of this is going to be pretty familiar to folks who play deck builder, uh, especially RPGs and stuff. But basically, each card is going to have a number on it in the upper left corner that tells you how many uh, units of energy it's going to take to do that. Units. Um, oh, wait, sorry. Unit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, like one unit for an attack and you have, you know, three total per turn, right? So you can do three attacks. You could do an attack and a defense. You know, it just depends on what, what draw, you know, what the cards draw. Uh, now, some of them will have a zero. Uh, these are either, like, bonus modifiers that you can use, um, and they're, you know, free again. And it's it's a use it or lose it kind of thing. Once you draw your, your hand for that turn, it doesn't matter, you know, uh, which cards you use. They're all going to get shuffled again uh, at the next turn. So, without... Unless you have a special card that lets you do this, you can't, like, hold on to cards and, like, wait for a better hand. Um, you know, it's just gonna play your best with what you got uh the game's really good at making this intuitive uh if you press y on anything it will give you a detailed description of it uh it'll kind of let you know and like any deck builder game it gets complicated um sometimes more complicated than i like and this is why i shy away from deck builders but again uh this one i think toes the line perfectly um as far as that goes so sorry the other thing is that like i said with the battles, uh, your character has a persistent life bar that, you know, you don't gain any life back at the end of a fight, so you actually do have to kind of balance your um, your kind of pathway, you know, your Mortal Kombat-esque, um, you know, <laughs> going up the up the lines of cards, uh, to make sure that there's a, a, you know, a rest, that, you know, if there's a rest, you want to try and work yourself towards it, because a rest will let you heal, like, 45 units of health. Um, and to put that in perspective, a warrior, which is considered a tank, uh, has only 80 health. Um, anyway, all of this to say, you get eventually up to a boss, um, and if you can beat the boss through, you know, clever strategy, again, lots of, you know, well, my preferred, um, well, I'll get to that, but yeah, basically once you get through the boss, then, um, you, uh, you get to move on to the next set, and, you know, it repeats and the bosses get harder um, until you just absolutely die at the end of the second boss. <laughs> I've yet to beat that boss. It throws two things, two bosses after me, and they're just such huge tanks. Um, but, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, like, at first when I was playing this, I was having a lot of trouble. I was playing as a... Um, yeah, I played the slave character. Um, wasn't doing enough damage. Uh, the hunter character is too much of a, you know just wasn't doing enough damage and was not taking the hits. And I was just like, I can get through the first champion just fine, but I just can't make my way through. Like there's some element of growth that I'm not like seeing here. And it really did turn out to be things like, you know, I wasn't paying attention to the huge UI that surrounds the battlefield. Um, for instance, like when you have a weapon equipped, you know, you're using that weapon, it has a power level that that, you know, affects your attack cards, of course, and same thing with a uh, with a defense card if you have a shield. 
Um, those augment each other. But sometimes your weapon will have its own special move that you have a limited amount of uses for per battle. And um, I wasn't taking advantage of that because you have to push like the ZL or ZR button and, you know, they're just these, you know, just toggles them on or off. And, you know, there's just a lot of things like that that the game kind of doesn't really point out. Like you really have to pay attention to like all these icons and stuff. To me, it all looks like a mobile game. Um, And so I picked up the Switch and found out that it does not have any touchscreen capability. So I'm like, why is this like this? Hmm. Like, you know, why does, you know... It's arrayed, arrayed in like a in a in an icon like based thing, like some kind of Android app. But it's like, yeah, I can't touch it, so I can only use my hotkeys and like you know pushing down on my R stick for like consumable items or something like that. You know, it's just like all kinds of confusing stuff. But once you get used to it and get into the flow of it, you're just gonna keep hitting start on a new campaign, and a campaign will last a long time, uh, especially if you're able to get past the first champion, because that's like six battles right there, and then you know, uh, four battles in the next level to get to that champion, and you know, if you keep challenging it, you're gonna keep unlocking stuff, and then you unlock stuff, and you want to play through it. Um, anytime you go to like. Battles are sometimes just regular fights, but sometimes they're elite fights against these special monsters that come up, and they're a little harder, but if you got a good loadout, which we'll get to in a second about the loadout, um, you know, you can beat them and then unlock a new card that's going to show up in the regular rotation. And again, you know, after you beat every battle, you get to pick another card to, to have, and so you kind of, again, it's a deck builder, so you're building up, like, your style of of fighting um i like to do really 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 heavy damage i don't really care about stat like you know dgens or anything like that um and of course anything that can heal me because god that hp is precious in this game uh but yeah like i said um so every time you beat a um i think it's every time you kill a champion you get two special coins uh to spend you might get more at the second champion i don't know because i have not beaten that guy yet um but when you get these special coins and also if you have regular coins at the end of your run and you die uh those get added into a pool as well that will eventually purchase you know get you um more of these coins too but these coins can uh, be used to purchase like a nice weapon a nice card um something really good right at the start of a new run and can only be used at the start of a new run so these aren't things that you can just collect and then you know eventually purchase yourself like a permanent loadout that's like really awesome so every time that you play this game you're influencing the next time you play the game and that therein lies the addiction route um and you can even yeah exactly that's how they get you and um even then, if you're just not feeling it, you can abandon a campaign and it'll still tally up all the stuff you did. Um, and it'll even count towards things like, you know, if you just give up on a quest, uh, if you have a character that's unlocked through multiple uh, um, game sessions, which there are some, there's one that I'm about to unlock because it's, um, it's at 11 playthroughs and um, I'm kind of almost there. But anyways... Uh, if you just abandon a quest, you can just crack those things open if you want. But I'm I'm kind of just playing it as normal. I just thought that was amusing to look at. But yeah, uh, graphics are I think uh pretty nice. Like it's it's definitely like 16 bit style. Um, but the cards are nice and detailed. Um, like I said, the descriptions when you use them and you're like paying attention are very good. It's you know uh not too difficult to 
you know, understand what's going on. It's kind of hard to get lost. Um, definitely good to pick up and play. Uh, like I said, I started with like the hunter and I was just like, I'm not digging any of these strategic moves that I've got here, but I didn't quite understand what everything did. And then I unlocked the warrior and that's where I started rocking and rolling. Um, I usually don't even go for melee characters as much, but, uh, yeah, the, the muscular version of Alina is definitely like <laughs> kind of like the good beginners mode. So it's weird that you have to play through three times to unlock a warrior and the warrior is like the one that you learn with. So yeah. it's, I like it though. Like it's pretty cool. Well, it clocks in at fourteen ninety nine. What are your thoughts on Alina of the arena? Yeah, I'm going to give this one a buy it. Um, lots of care went into this one. Um, it appeals to folks who generally are not into deck builders, uh, which is me. So, you know, <laughs> this is this is like the one deck builder in like 10 that I've looked at and been like, oh, yeah, I actually can play that. And um, <laughs> I was not wrong. So that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, this is a good one to get you into the genre if you want to get into it. But of course, um, most people don't get into it as a genre. They just end up falling into one and then getting hooked. So... <laughs> If that's uh if that's what you're looking to do, this is a good game to do it with. So this is a buy it from me all around. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh next game is Wordless, developed by No Name Studios, published by Coat Sync and Thunderful, released November twenty first on Xbox One, Series X and S, Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC for nineteen ninety nine. Wordless is a stylized two D platformer with a Unique active turn-based combat system and a mind-bending interpretive narrative. Players embark on a journey of self-growth and understanding, pushing the limits of their nature in a newly born and abstract universe. Pernell, what is going on in Wordless? I'm going to point this out right now. If that's what they gave you for the narrative, that's all we're given. Because I'm not going to try to describe what the hell's going on in this game. (laughs) There it is. That's what you get. You'll figure it out yourself. But what about the game itself? Is the game fun? Is it anything? Well, I think the game is great. I'm just going to say it off the bat. But what the hell is it exactly? Well, it is a... No, it's not a Metro. Screw that. I'm not taking that for crap. It is an action pla- adventure <laughs> platformer game where you control a what I can refer to as a celestial being that is exploring a celestial void of sorts interconnected celestial void and this exploration takes place as you going from zone to zone tracking down what looks to be uh, a counterpoint of what you are basically like a mega version of that and as this traversal takes place you'll explore a map going from region to region and you can basically explore them as you would a typical adventure platformer you start out with the ability just to jump literally just to jump and also to I guess sort of echo locate, which has a variety of different functions depending on like where you're at in the game and what you're trying to do. Like, for example, sometimes it resonates with flowers, which can result in some pickup items. Other times it might allow you to resonate with a pillar that spins you around and launches you. Um, One thing about this game that I do like in that capacity is that it is built around the idea of not really telling you what to do or even half the time with things what you can do. So much as it just lets you experience it for yourself. I kid you not. I never quite figured out in some respects what certain items were giving me. Like, it might be like, hey, I found this cool item. Does that mean I can actually access another element of my skill set? Or does that mean I get more health or whatever? I don't freaking know. But whatever, I found <laughs> it. I'll figure it out later. I don't even care. That's the kind of game this is. Um, 
but it's so beautiful that the exploration facet of the aspect of it is enough to make you go, you know what? I'm just enjoying myself because I played it. The first time I booted up, I was just like, ah, I don't really feel like I want to play this right now. I'm going to turn it off. I'm not even feeling what the hell's going on. But then the second time I came back to it, something clicked. And when it clicked, I was sold. And that carries over to the combat aspect of the game, too. Because whereas typically you'd expect to go around and just stumble across a bunch of different enemies that you could fight and then get experience points or whatever, this game doesn't quite do that. Instead, what happens as you're walking around the map, you'll come across enemies on occasion. They're in very set locations on the map. You know, they're not random encounters. They're not enemies that respawn. They are literally deliberately where they meant, they're meant to be. And when you see them, you engage in a battle with them. And what is battle in this game? Well, you're on the left, they're on the right. It is turn-based combat, and your goal is to deplete their hit points before they deplete yours, with the exception of one case. You have, at the beginning of the game, two basic attacks. Now, you will expand out to other things, including like ice magic and you know, archery, but uh, you are attempting to reduce their hit points by initially breaking down their, like, their defenses, and their defenses can be made up of various elements that are associated with attacks. So, for example, your basic melee might have like a fist icon on the screen, or your magic attack, when you start out with is lightning, you'll see a lightning bolt icon, and you want to use your skill to break that thing down in the time allotted for your turn, because when it actually is your attack turn, you get a time gate that pops up. And you want to do what you can before that depletes. If you can break that shield down, the enemy becomes especially vulnerable to additional damage before the timer runs up, and this becomes the enemy's turn to attack you. If you are able to produce enough critical damage and what can be referred to as absorption damage attacks, after you've broken the shell down especially, you'll display a gauge that says, you know, like it's like a little diamond that starts out 100%, then 200% once the crit's done, once you get down the, the critical walls. You'll get to the point where you are able to initiate something called, you know, just a full-on absorption. And when you do that, depending on how high you made the gauge go, that will determine how many of the four buttons you have to press in sequence are, are displayed for you in order to do this. So you'll trigger absorption, a timer will start, you'll see four buttons. If you got the gauge up halfway, you'll see like A, B, question mark, question mark. So you'll hit A and B, and then you're going to be like mashing any of the four face buttons, hoping to figure out which one is the proper button. And if you run out of time, got to get back to it and try to do it again, get them back to that state. But the buttons you figured out the first time don't go away. So if you ultimately find yourself in a series of having to play a guessing game on this front, you will be able to eventually get it as long as you don't kill the enemy before you get to that point, because that is something that will likely happen more than a few times. Though, fortunately, if you do kill an enemy without absorbing them, and I'll tell you why you want to absorb them shortly, the enemy does remain on the map as a re-engageable encounter, and you can go back and try to beat them in the proper way until you succeed at absorbing them. Um, when the enemy attacks you, they attack in a way that is choreographed, so the game has multiple ways of displaying attacks that are coming, such as horizontal, vertical, uh, horizontal lines, vertical lines, or a star flash. Um, when these things occur, you have to know, okay, this is a magic attack coming, or oh no, this is a physical attack coming, and you have to guard with the proper attack button, whether it's a magic button or the physical shield button. 
Your shield has a finite lifespan, though. And if you just hold down the shield button, it will be shattered and you will be a sitting duck toy for a lot of damage. So while you can have occasional moments where you want to kind of just hold it down and just take the blows, your proper way to play is to go about showing for perfect guards, which is hitting the button at just the right time to block the attack while also not depleting your shield energy. And that is a back and forth dance that will happen for many a battle in this game. Though again, if you happen to lose the battle, they don't kick. They don't. You don't die. You don't go back to a checkpoint. It just kicks you out of the battle, and you can attempt it again. No muss, no fuss. And frankly, I think that is a very time-respecting, user-friendly approach, especially as you're getting used to how the battle even flows in this game. So, why the hell do you want to go about absorbing them when you can just beat the stuffing out of every every enemy in the game? Well, glad you asked. When you absorb an enemy, you take their core. Um, blue cores for, I don't know, I guess light celestials, that's what I'm going to call them, but I could be wrong. Light celestials, orange cores for dark celestials. And you have a skill upgrade tree that can be utilized to upgrade skills and abilities using those cores. So some need the orange cores, some need the blue cores. So you'll find yourself wanting to go back and catch as many enemies as you can because you want to upgrade your character as best you can. Frankly, like I said, I have no idea what's happening in this game. I don't even know what I'm trying to do or why I'm trying to do it. And I don't care. It's been fun. I enjoy what I'm doing. The, unit, the atmosphere you're exploring is gorgeous. The music isn't anything to write home about, but it's atmospheric. So I don't think it's meant to be something to write home about. It just gets the job done and keeps you enveloped in the world as you're running around exploring it. Getting new abilities is a lot of fun, too, because they're animated well. And they do feel really good for traversal. If you find yourself walking too slowly, which I did for a while, when you get the dash ability, that will very much change because you will run fast with that thing. It's great. Um, quite frankly, I think the game is pretty cool. I think the one real gripe I have with it, which has been driving me crazy, is the fact that I've gotten much more used to it since I started, mind you, but the map in this game take some serious getting used to. It's laid out like a constellation, you know, celestial bodies and all that, but it's a 2D plane, but the nodes will branch off in different directions, leaving you to wonder which node goes to what location, or rather, what door in the area you're in goes to what location, and when you're actually making that, tra that proper traversal or trajectory change. So, it can be pretty tough to figure out where you're going and when you enter doors or when you go off the screen or whatever, and you just have to get used to it because there is a rhyme or reason to it. It just takes some getting used to, and it's not well explained. So that's my only real gripe with the game itself. But other than that, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, it's left up to pure interpretation because, again, you know, whatever. But yeah. I don't think you even need to understand it to enjoy it. It's just meant to be what you make of it. Well, it clocks in at nineteen ninety nine. What are your thoughts on wordless? It may not sound like it from my word salad over here, but honestly, I feel this is a genuine buy. I don't even feel conflicted in offering that statement. This they did a good job with this, and it. I would say I didn't even hear much about this up until the release of it. It was a very under the radar game, and I hope more people give it a chance because it deserves it. Cool. All right, we got one final game to talk about tonight. That is called Colored Effects, developed by Taxu, published by Flynn's Arcade, released November 23rd on the Switch for $4.99. Colored Effects is a puzzle platformer game with unique handcrafted levels and a simple design. Play in this peaceful environment, solve puzzles, and collect the gems to complete each level. Chris, sounds easy enough. What is it? 
<laughs> it sure is easy. Um, by the way, I said unique, and then I like realized I was um, I was uh, muted. But anyways, <laughs> unique. Yeah, unique. <laughs> um, so yeah, colored effects. This is a single room puzzle game kind of deal. Um, it is uh, really tough, but um, but uh, like this is actually like really creatively done so you play as this little guy um he's just a little guy and um basically the key to solving a puzzle you know winning a room um things like that is to collect three uh a red blue and a uh yellow um gem within a room in order to unlock the three doors that are uh, that are blocking the exit and you know got to get to the exit um the way you do this is usually by changing the color of your hero, which gives him a special power. Um, your little guy with a cape. And um, so, like, sorry, I was just taking a look at something here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically, like, for instance, um, if you step on a blue puddle, your character turns blue and now has a double jump. So, of course, you get a double jump. Uh-huh. Um if you step on a yellow puddle, your character turns yellow and then can uh, dash through the air. I don't know what the red one does yet, but um, we're getting there. Um, so yeah, basically, you know, the levels are arranged in such a way that you end up having to, um, you know, use these powers to get the gems, and they get increasingly tough as uh, as you go along. Like, you know, it it scales up quite a bit. But the cool thing is, it is a peaceful game. Um, it's got this constant like you know, these light clouds rolling by kind of things. Uh, your character moves really smoothly and, you know, the action is really, um, kind of chill and, you know, and, and solid and there's no timer. There's no extra conditions to, you know, get the, the best, you know, it's not like the, you get one diamond for beating the level, but three diamonds, if you do it with these impossible conditions, Uh, like there's no real pressure to that. It's just good. it's it's less of a you know it's less of a puzzle platformer actiony type of thing. It's more like a jigsaw puzzle to be honest. Uh, you know, you just spend some time and like really learn it and stuff. Like, um, actually, while we were doing this podcast, I finally beat one of the levels that had that had really puzzled me. So I was pretty proud of myself there. GG. Um, because it had yeah, thank you. Because it had to do with pushing a box around onto a moving platform in order to um dash into it without dashing into this laser that like was blocking my way um we blocked the laser with the box instead and just ran into the box and um i won't tell you which level that's a solution for but you're welcome if you have that in your (laughs) mind and you go for this one um there's really not much else to this game uh occasionally um there actually are boss fights that you can do um that are part of the puzzles so like those that's kind of an element of it um you know every now and then you do have to actually do some combat um those aren't so bad um i haven't really you know come across anything you know too uh too ridiculous there well i know um, what is kind of ridiculous with this game what what's kind of ridiculous with this game unique count oh yeah is it pretty is it as high as this episode of this show the store page has four uniques on it amazing yeah, Colored Effects yeah. is a puzzle platformer with unique handcrafted levels and a simple design. And then effects are the abilities you use in game. Each effect is unique and distinguishable by its own color. And how one of the headers... Say- oh, go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to say, how can you describe your game as unique when you have a double jump? 
hey, hey, magic. Hey. Uh, one of the headers is just unique bosses. And under that, <laughs> encounter bosses in between levels. Each boss has unique attacks and requires a different way to defeat it. So, Glenn's Arcade, fun, you got to ease up on the uniques. Yeah, buddy. Or double down <laughs> on it. Y'all, yeah, yes, I was going to say, down. I mean, you might, we, we <laughs> kind of, we kind of did. We kind of did that today, so I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault that strategy. Um, yeah, you know, that's uh, if you just, at least I know just like that to, it's a, to call out when when there's a bunch of them on a page. I like to oh, keep I know, track of I, which ones are good ones. I, I kind of introduced that to the show, so I mean, yeah. I'm I'm all for it. Um, you bastard! But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having said, you know, I I wouldn't say that this game is unique. But uh, it's, but it uh, definitely is five brings bucks, a little. So. It brings a little something, and yeah, this is like the first five dollar game I think I've reviewed in quite a while. So like that's kind of nice too. But um, it's even on sale uh, for the next for few days bucks. for four bucks. So if you hear that's this in time and you you want to pick up the game, it's four bucks. Uh, is it worth it at five? What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is definitely in the fuck it, why not territory. Um, you know, definitely worth your time. The puzzles are real head scratchers. Again, the boss fights are less fights and more like puzzles, but, you know, they do involve some quick action and things like that. But ultimately, this is for the thinkers. This is a thinking crowds um, kind of game, and I dig it. So I would say, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and uh, make that purchase. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, we are done with this episode. All right. In the time we made it through. But already. Yeah. <laughs> time for that just to wreck my tooth. I could talk some more about Jurassic Park games. Yeah. Speaking of, we could play some music from a Jurassic Park game. Our our good friend Posu Yan did a Jurassic Park remix on OC Remix uh, quite a while ago. We could play that. I mean, Do yeah. It. Shout outs to you know Jonathan Dunn. Say. You know, classic like uh, Commodore sixty four, like English composer. Really, you know, he worked uh, with Ocean very closely. So on the NES and Game Boy, and and even the Super NES, I think uh, games he had a hand in all of their soundtracks, and they're very good. So you know, I, I cannot, uh, you know, I, w- I would say kudos to him for uh, providing on that front. No, no John Williams to be heard in these soundtracks. <laughs> I don't think a single one of them has any reference to the movies. And why would they? I mean, these, again, were kind of, you know, built alongside the movie, so. Yeah. But anyway. But anyway, again, that is it for this episode. Uh, does anyone have any final words to wrap this up? Um, I, don't know. I want to hear Purnell's words. I don't Purnell, have any words. It's on you. I'll on you, Purnell. Go ride the Go ride, go ride the Velocicoaster at freaking Universal Studios. It's a freaking great time and thematic to the episode. Wee roller coaster. That's why I rode. I actually was able to ride it. Um, that's why I rode last week. So it was pretty funny. The time I was like, oh, yeah, I just rode this cool roller coaster, the Velocicoaster. Wait a minute, we're talking about <laughs> Jurassic Park this week. Man, you I know what? Would about a... Jurassic Park in years, and here it is on the show at the same time. You know what would have really, really knocked this one out of the park, as it were? Uh, <laughs> if they would have included the point-and-click game from Sega CD. I don't think I've ever heard of that one. Yeah, it's um, the Jurassic Park Sega CD game. is like a point-and-click. It's the same thing. You're going around picking up MacGuffins, trying to power down the island or whatever, power up the island. Yeah. Um, let's see. There you go, limited run. Get on that shit. 
Jurassic yet. Park Classic Collection Two. It, come on, if you did a, uh, you know, if you did Night Trap, you can do Jurassic Park. Season. I don't know that they can do it actually, though, because it actually does feature like, um, uh, like Jeff Goldblum and some other actors from it. In fact, <laughs> I don't think it was this one, but there was a Lost World. I think. Um, oh, hang on, I'm gonna. I, I can see right here. Uh, it was a PC game. Okay, so the 1997 Jurassic Park game, uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park, that's it, so it's the sequel. Um, if you did, like, 100% of the content in the game, um, Jeff Goldblum will literally come out and tell you to touch grass. <laughs> be like, <laughs> here's the, uh, here's the little Reddit post about it if you want to see it. But, uh, he comes out and he's just like, uh, go, go outside and uh, go meet people, go take a shower or something like that. And he like basically makes fun of you for completing the game. And, uh, okay. Yeah. That sounds like a cool Easter egg. Yeah, it's pretty good. And, uh, of course he's in character is Ian Malcolm. It's not just Jeff Goldblum coming out. It would be kind of great though. If he was like, I'm the actor, Jeff Goldblum. I'm Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. I'm Jeff Goldblum. Stop playing this game. Yeah. Just for God's sakes. Hi, I'm Jeff Goldblum, and this fucking podcast. Oh, I thought we had ended. No, now it did. Uh.